Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is a character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Carriker Smallman and Danny Mack on this Thursday on 101 ESPN. It is 7.01. Great day in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Good morning, Michelle. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Randy. How are you? I'm doing well. I stayed up last night to hear the Vladimir Tarasenko winning goal for the Blues. Blues, Danny Mack, for the first time in their history, 55 seasons, are 3-0 and on the road. They won their first three games of the season on the road for the first time ever. Ever. Never ever. happened before. Is that right? Yep. Wow. 3-1 win over the Golden Knights last night. Impressive victory. Impressive victories in the American and National League Championship Series by the Reds, uh, the Astros, and the Braves. Braves are a game away from eliminating the L.A. Dodgers. Well, we said that last year, too. Yeah, we did. (laughs) (laughs) We did. They're a game away. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But that is a great bounce back win for the Braves because you think about uh, the Bellinger home run and then coming back to win that game. And that's a momentum shifting home run and game. And to the Braves credit, they came out swinging and Freddie Freeman starting to get hot again. And watch out if he gets hot. I think the series is over. And we'll talk about this more as the show goes along. But the Dodgers, Mr. October, Justin Turner with a hamstring injury is out for the rest of the postseason. That's huge. That is huge for them. And the fact, Michelle, that uh, they had Urias on the mound Mm -hmm. and it was basically a bullpen game for the Braves. And they, Enoa was hurt, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden everything's going wrong. Nope, not anymore. Braves win that game. But even despite all of those things, are you counting the Dodgers out? Because I'm not. No, because <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. No. You know what I mean? No. Not yet. They're so Tom- talented. Tomorrow yep. the Dodgers have a bullpen game against Max Fried, and then they would come back in Game Six in Atlanta with Scherzer on extra rest and Bueller on full rest. That is the scary part of this, and that's the part I was going to bring up. Is Scherzer has not been Max Scherzer, I, and part of that is how they've used him if not all of it, because he's pitched so much. And he even admitted, he said, my, my arm's been tired, I've been dead, uh, hasn't been great, but yet, uh, if you get him back on full rest with all the money on the line, mm, and then Bueller, same thing, that'd be tough. But uh, I think we uh, got to get into the blues here, man. Let's start with the blues. We'll <laughs> have the highlights. Up, you your St. Louis Blues last night coming away with their third victory of the season. William Carlson scoring for Vegas in the first period. In the second period, still a one nothing game, 321 in. Cleared off the boards and out to center. O'Reilly for Perron. Perron goes down to O'Reilly, and he couldn't center. They get it, they shoot it, and they score! The first shot was saved, the second was blocked, and the third a charm as Brandon Saad puts the puck to the back of the net, ties the game for the Blues, 1-1 the score, 16-39 to go in the second period. 
first in a Blues sweater for Brandon Saad. 1-1 after two. Then in the third period, midway through, guy who had a magnificent game. And it's forced up to the line, and the Knights will play it out. Petrangelo spins it rink wide. Blues come back in again. Shin down the middle to Kairou. They score! Tarasenko scores for the Blues. Puts them on top 2-1. to one. A melee happens after the goal, but it wound up being a three on the goalie after the turnover at the line. And the St. Louis Blues take a 2-1 lead. 10-11 to go in the third period. Tarasenko rewarded. The melee was Vladdy Tarasenko and Alex Petrangelo. Yikes. And Vladdy had 11 shots on goal in this game. He obviously was back to being Vladimir Tarasenko last night. I mean, that. if you're a fan and I was watching the game and I'm thinking... Uh, I really don't want to trade this guy if he's going to play like this. You know, now, if he stays healthy and plays hard like that and and does the things, because to me, the first couple of games, he was a non-factor. He was just kind of floating. He was, you didn't even notice him on the ice. Last night, you noticed him. And then after the goal, Michelle, I I found it really interesting that Tarasenko and Petro got into it. And I think Petro went after the wrong guy. He was upset with Shen. And and he turned over the puck. So uh, all of a sudden, Laddie puts it in the back of the net and... and you know what, uh, Shen, and by the way, don't overlook in the 3-0 start here, two guys, Jordan Cairo, another assist last night, so he, uh, he was fantastic on this road trip, but also uh, the goaltending of Jordan Bennington. I mean, he he just looks locked in, so it, it's a great trip. Yeah, there's a lot of things yeah. to feel positive about if you're a Blues fan. How fun have these first three games been? been They've been awesome, but going back, back to Vladimir Tarasenko, I think watching him last night, that's the first time in years where I felt like that's Vladdy. He's visible, right? Where, where yeah. I was reminded of the type of player that he was, and I felt excited to watch a Vladimir Tarasenko. And I and I loved the way that Craig Berube and his teammates were praising him after the game. I loved his comments after the game about how it feels good to play again. I haven't really been able to play this way in a long time, and scoring goals are nice, but there's a lot of ways that I can go out there and help my team. And it seems like a lot of the things we've been hearing from Vladdy early on this season have been about the team, which which is, which is good to hear. Vladdy on the team. I think everybody play well. I think uh, we play well as a line. You know, um, we play for a couple of games now. We try to you know, learn where each other going. And um, we have a lot of scoring chances. Um, we have to find a ways to score more goals. But, uh, you know, obviously it's a great game. It's always hard to play in this building. But uh, also it's uh, very exciting games. Like very good atmosphere and very hard team to play against. So I think uh, mentally it's a very important win and uh, you know it's a great road trip for us. We're ready to go home. When the entire offseason is surrounded by headlines of you and you not wanting to be here and you wanting to be out and you feeling as if you weren't handled correctly or you were treated unfairly, and then when you hear him come back and say, I'm 100% in, as long as I'm here, I'm in, no one believes that. No one buys into that. So to see the way he's been playing, like he's a person with a purpose and hear that he's at least saying the right things that he's bought in, if you're a Blues fan, that has to be an exciting thing to hear. Well, I like, too, what Craig Berube did, if you guys noticed he rotated the lines and so he noticed what we're talking about that Tarasenko is a factor and I'm going to tap into that and gave him more ice time rotated the lines and took advantage of what was a positive for the Blues which is Vladimir Tarasenko 
still has it. It's there, and we saw it last night. So why wouldn't you try to get him on the ice a little bit more? So Craig Berube, a tactical move that paid off. Blues win at 3-1. They'll open up their home season on Saturday night against the Kings. Big pregame party down on Clark Street on Saturday. We'll tell you more about that during the show. One other note here. There's a thing in sports called home cooking. Robin Leonard faced 37 shots and made 35 saves. Jordan Binnington faced 43 shots, made 42 saves. But Leonard's the number two star of the game, and uh, Binner doesn't even get a star. That's home cooking. Yeah, it's home cooking. That's home cooking, baby. I, I The thing <laughs> I, I love about watching uh, Jordan Bennington, first of all, even if you're not a hockey fan and you watch when there's – because hockey's got a lot of chaos in it. Puck's going back and forth. It, it's so fast. But when your goalie is there and he is calm, and I mean there's just a calmness to the goalie, that is one thing that stands out. And you watch how he is square to the puck on just about everything. He's not sliding all over the place. And the other thing when you know he's got confidence is that he'll move out and he's at the top of the circle inside the cage. And so outside of the cage is slightly, but basically taking the angles away because you have confidence in where your positioning is. All those things that he is doing right now uh, that I just mentioned that are, are being beneficial for him to have success. And that's what's I mean, he's going to steal you some games if he's playing like this. So while I love what I'm seeing offensively, I still think there's at times questions with their defense, although it's been fine. But guys like that, when they play this way, can steal you points. And he's going to do that. Moving to the National League Championship Series, Atlanta at L.A. And Atlanta has to start Jesse Chavez in this one. But the Braves were able to get an early lead. Two solo homers in the first inning, Eddie Rosario and Adam Duvall. Another solo homer by Freddie Freeman in the third inning. And it's a 3-0 lead before Jock Peterson singles one home. We get through this one. It's a 5-2 game heading into the ninth. That was a score, by the way, the other night when the Dodgers came back. But in the ninth inning, an RBI ground rule double by Freddie Freeman and Eddie Rosario going for the cycle here didn't quite get it. In the air, right field, hit well. It's not going to be a cycle, but he'll take that every day. Rosario with his second homer. A four-hit night. And the Braves bust it wide open here in the ninth inning. It's 9-2. to two. And postseason pitching circa 2021, Drew Smiley, who had not yet appeared yeah. in the playoffs, gives the Braves three and a third innings. He gets the win. He allows two runs on a couple of hits, walked only one and struck out two. And Jose Urias takes the loss, goes five innings and allows five runs for the Dodgers, who now in that series are down three games to one. You never know who the hero is going to be. And that's what's great about postseason baseball. You never know who's going to get called upon. But do you think the Braves are nervous at all, knowing they've been in this position last year and the Dodgers came roaring back? Or do you think that this is just logs on the fire where they're telling themselves there is no way this is going to happen again? I thought it was really interesting yesterday that Brian Snitker said after game four, for game three, that he said, no, this is good for us. Facing this adversity is good for us. And I would think that losing that series last year is a good education for the Braves. And bouncing back after the the game that they had with the Bellinger yeah. home run, I think it, it just, every time October baseball happens, and Randy just mentioned Drew Smiley, I think about it, Michelle, you're right, somebody steps up. I, I just think like you cannot have enough pitching. I, I know it's the most overused cliche in baseball, 
But you got to have arms. It's so true. I mean, if you're going to do openers with Jesse Chavez, (laughs) you better have some arms. The Dodgers are missing four Cy Youngs from Clayton Kershaw, one from David Price, and one from Trevor Bauer. They've got six Cy Youngs that they aren't pitching in this postseason. I, I think they've got ten guys, ten pitchers on the IL, and they're well, still in this position. Yeah, <laughs> if the Cardinals would be in this spot, like to the point of you can't have enough pitching and looking for anybody that's fresh to come off of IL or come back from an injury, whatever. I think Jordan Hicks would be pitching in the postseason right now. I agree. Yeah, you know, because you need it. It's just you. You have to have so many arms not only to get through the six months, but then the gauntlet that is October and how you manage and you try to shorten games by using starters only going two times through a lineup or sometimes it's a starter the way that it's being used now it's just you, you got to have more arms it's incredible moving to the american league houston moving to within a game of the world series they get a home run from jordan alvarez in the first inning and then framber valdez really buckled down had a one nothing lead in the sixth when alvarez stepped in against chris sale with jose altuve on base after the ground out by Bregman, and that one's down the line into left. What a night. Alvarez has delivered again. Two more runs will score off his bat. He's driven in all three, and it's 3-0 Astros here in the sixth. And the Astros rolled 9-1, to one, but the story of this game was Framber Valdez. Again, postseason circuit 2021. Yeah. He gives Houston eight innings, allows only one run on three, hits strikes out five. He beats Chris Sale, and Valdez saves the day for Houston because their bullpen had just been rocked by the, the, the series and by Boston. This has been a really entertaining series for a, a Boston Red Sox team who a lot of people didn't even expect to be a postseason team, for them to be in this position, for it to be going back and forth. This has been really entertaining. Do you guys remember when Jordan came through uh, St. Louis? Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember yeah. that at all? Um, and so I, I, he tore up the Cardinals. He was hitting the ball everywhere. And I mean, hitting rockets. And I'm like, here's another guy that they found and made a trade for. And, it, and it's worked out. From but the Dodgers, right? That's right. And uh, the one thing I was thinking about when I saw his home run off a of sale was if you have a swing like that playing 81 games in your home ballpark in Houston, it certainly works with the monster and left. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. All you got to do, if you're a left-handed hitter, you know, there's guys yep. that have tailored their swings that way to hit it off the monster, and this one cleared it. But it was a perfect swing for that ballpark and for his, and that's why he is a good fit in many ways. He can flat-out hit. But being able to take a ball like that to the opposite field, that's a talent. So Houston and Atlanta both a game away from reaching the 2021 World Series. Off and running here on 101 ESPN with Michelle and Dan. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. Sick of it. Coming your way here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. All right, we want your text, 65780. What are you sick of? Kids, as you know, I'm old and old school. And as the Dodgers prepare to avoid, try to avoid elimination, they're going to try to do so with a bullpen start. Mm -hmm. In the postseason, Mm -hmm. in an elimination game, the Dodgers aren't going to pitch Clayton Kershaw. They aren't going to pitch David Price. They aren't going to pitch Max Scherzer. They have to have a bullpen game. The way I grew up, we didn't have bullpen games in the postseason. We didn't have no dang bullpen games. I'm sick of bullpen games. 
in the postseason. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Um, I wonder, you know, did you guys read Buster Olney's article the other day? He's brought that up multiple times. He brought it up in the middle of the season, too, where there's got to be a premium put on and an emphasis put on starters going deeper into games. Um, Your Drysdale, Gibson, Drysdale, Marichal, you know, Mm -hmm. your great pitching matchups and to try to make those happen. Um, I don't know how you do it. I'm not sure I necessarily, necessarily agree with it, but it is food for thought. It is interesting that Dusty had a guy go through the lineup three times last night, and he did pretty well. Yeah. Dusty goes to the World Series. I think he's in the Hall of Fame. I agree. You know what I'm sick of? The Astros having success. (laughs) I'm so sick of it. But they're they're now a a program that uh, doesn't... uh, bang trash cans. They don't have the buzzers. I mean, these are just fine athletes putting it all on the line. Sure. And maybe we just haven't caught in wind of what they're doing now. And maybe we'll find out in a year or two that they've (laughs) evolved. (laughs) and Their their technology now is a bit more sophisticated than trash cans. Yeah. But they never really got their shame tour because of the pandemic. And then in the first, quote, normal season, it looks like they're going to the World Series. They should have had a tougher road. They should have had to deal with the wrath of the fans and the wrath of their fellow pe- their fellow uh, peers that they cheated out of championships. They shouldn't be going to the World Series. I'm sick of it. I am sick of late night sports. Um, <laughs> and I understand that it has to happen. And I understand that not everybody's in my time zone. However. But how dare uh, they not be in your time zone? No kidding. Thank you, Michelle. Appreciate that. You're I mean, welcome. if you're in Vegas, we got to be starting that game at five local time Vegas. Yep. That's right. You Don't know? they know Danny Max watching the game? Hello. And we have to get up. You know, I mean, That's there's true. there's early mornings and uh, I can't sleep after games like that. And it also happens in baseball. I'm flipping all over the place watching the Red. Sox and the Astros. I'm watching the Dodgers and uh, the Braves and some of these games are ending really late at night and I love watching baseball. I just wish it would start a little bit earlier. That's all. I'm with you. I agree. I I doubt that it's going to change but anyway. By the way, 2005 World Series the White Sox beat Houston back in the day when Houston didn't cheat as much and (laughs) in each of the four games in which Chicago swept their starting pitcher went seven innings. Is that right? Yeah. But that's that would be a, a good study of the last time that let's say you had in a World Series. So you can go from 05 on uh, that you had, let's say, three starts in which a starter went, you know, various guys didn't have to be the same guy, but went, let's say, seven or more innings. Man. Yeah, it didn't didn't happen for the Cardinals in 06. No, for sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. My computer just crashed. I was well, I'm trying to think. Didn't Jeff Weaver? Weaver went more than seven. Pitched into the seventh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Weaver did. And Reyes did too, right? The uh, one hitter against the, in the opener? You're thinking of the one hitter against the White Sox in yeah. interleague play, but um, I think you're thinking we'll that. Yeah, yeah, probably. We'll look at it. Yeah. We'll figure it out. We'll check that out. To the text line 65780. Emily, what do we have? From the 217, I'm sick of in-laws staying at my house. Ooh, that's tough. uh, uh, Have they been there for a couple of days? (laughs) Two days? (laughs) I I, I get it. I totally get it. Mm. Even if they're the nicest people in the world, you're still on edge all the time in your own home. Because you want to make sure that they're comfortable, that they're having a good time. They're they're probably up at different hours, you mm-hmm. know. It's it's always hard to adjust when people are in your house. Well, I'm going to uh, let's hold on there now. I wonder if the texter has children 
Now, if you have children and the in-laws are in, it's kind of like, okay, you want to you want to earn your keep? Here's little Johnny. <laughs> Take him to the park. Yeah, give me a couple hours. So there's there could be benefits to having said in-laws in the crib. Or the in-laws could do what grandparents do and get little Johnny a bunch of candy, and then he's very wound up. That would be my mom. <laughs> yeah. Literally walked in on my mom when my little girl was uh, probably seven or eight years old. She didn't know I walked in. She had already fed her, like, tons of cookies and all this stuff, and she had a can of whipped cream going down her mouth. Going, I go, Mom, what are you doing? She said, well, I thought it, you know. And I said, all right, let's go. <laughs> okay. I don't even know what that means, but I love it. Pretty much that was my daughter. <laughs> she did love it, and now every time she goes over there, they still do it. <laughs> Thanks a lot. From the 314, I'm sick of pro basketball already. As soon as their season starts, that's all the national sports hosts talk about. Never mind the MLB playoffs or the NFL or NHL. Well, the season doesn't have to start. That's true. And by the way, they're talking NFL. Unless they're talking Michael versus LeBron. Which we definitely need on October 21st. Bennington breakdown after they broke down uh, whether or not Russ can fit in with KD and LeBron. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Saw that. Maybe I didn't. From the 618, sick of it. All the drama over who will become the next manager of the Cardinals. If the DH is added, no decisions to be made other than pitching changes. A monkey with a decent IQ can manage such a simple game. I I would love to agree with that. Well, you got to manage human beings, too. Yeah. That's the thing. A lot of personalities and, and egos. I, I was thinking about this because, Dan, I, I have advocated for Matt Holiday with the same thought process. He'd lead the guys. But remember, and this is not an affront to Matt Holiday or saying that I hope he doesn't get the job because I does. I, I do. But remember what we thought of Mike Matheny when he was hired as opposed to the, the end here in terms of being what we thought he was going to be. Because I thought he was going to be a great manager for the too. Cardinals. And it just didn't happen for him here. Now, uh, you guys talked about it on your show yesterday. He He's much better in Kansas City. To but, his credit, he learned. Yeah, it, it's not an easy thing. No. And for for a guy like Matt, if you've never done it before, and especially if you have former teammates like Yadi and Wayno and a real good friend like Arenado that you're dealing with, that's a tough thing to do. It is. I mean, you, you're going to have times where, as a manager... You're going to go pull that starter. You're going to go pull your buddy Adam Wainwright when yep. Adam Wainwright does not want to come out. You're going to have to say to Yachty, you're going to have to sit because it's beneficial to the team and you long term. Well, Yachty's going to say, no, I want to play. I'm sorry. Now, all of a sudden, trying to balance that, that is tough. Mm-hmm. That, that's very hard to do. I, I would agree with the texture that I do think some of the strategy will be out of game management with yeah. a DH. Uh, it just, it's the way it is. However, um, the bullpen stuff is not easy at times, especially when you're getting a, a lot of voices in your ear and the analytics say one thing and your gut tells you another and you get burned and you have to explain it one way or another to the media or to your bosses. But then the, the human element of the relationships of trying to balance that out, that's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. Thanks very much for your texts. We do appreciate it. Coming up next, we're going to go to the Brown Crouppen Celebrity Line. Greg Amzinger all over the playoffs of MLB Network. We're actually watching his show right now on tape delay. But Greg is with us live next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. 
know that there's nobody more passionate about Major League Baseball than Greg Amsinger, lead anchor for MLB Network. And of course, the Lindenwood University and a native of St. Louis. But one thing you got to know about Greg, who's with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, is that even in the midst of the baseball postseason, Greg Amsinger is all in on the blues. Mm. Right? I, I got to tell you, after 13 seasons, Randy, at MLB Network, I finally was able to have a new rule at our Secaucus, New Jersey studio. When I am in a studio live and the Blues are playing, a portion of the studio needs to be airing the Blues game <laughs> if I am doing both at the same time. So I was hosting a show while I was peering over to my right watching the Blues win 3-1 to one against the Golden Knights. I thought Tarasenko was all over the ice, seven shots on goal. I love the way he's been playing. It was a bidding team was unbelievable. I, I, I have to watch the Blues. I'm a psycho Blues fan. Well, Greg, the fact that you get that on in the studio, I'm impressed. That's a lot of juice that you have. Well, they thought that I would be distracted, and I understand why they would be worried. I do have ADHD at a very high level, but it makes me good at my job. I can't focus on one thing. It's hard for me to watch one game. So since there's only one game going on on a night like you know yesterday after the first playoff game was over, I need a lot of distraction to make me feel comfortable. So it was good for me. I think it made the show better. Well, Greg, I don't think we've spoken to you since the Cardinals had their press conference announcing that they're parting ways with manager Mike Schill. What was your reaction to not only the move, but the timing of the move? Uh, I was floored, honestly. I I really, like all of you, I'm sure, I I did not see this coming. Um, John Mozeliak does what John Mozeliak wants to do. He has won and put a winning product on the field each and every year. (laughs) He cares about the organization. He's a caretaker of, of, of the team. And he thought this was the right time. I know Mike well. Uh, I think he's a great guy. I hope he gets another crack at this because I think he's a good manager. But, man, it's it's part of where the, the game is today. And, and I was having a conversation with Harold Reynolds about this this whole story. And in many ways, what Alex Cora has already done and what he's doing is almost trying to save the relevance of a big league manager. To see where the Red Sox were last year without him and to have him come back with not too many new adjustments to the club. I think they went and got Kyle Schwarber at the deadline and a couple other pieces, Hunter Renfro in the offseason, but pretty much the same team. And to see the difference a manager can make, a manager who really gets his say. He picked his staff. Yes, he had a couple recommendations, but this isn't Hein Bloom telling Alex Cora what to do. So, uh, the managerial role has been watered down. Even Aaron Boone lost his good friend Phil Nevin, decided to still come back. Front offices are in control. And with that said, where is, if, if it's not Oliver Marmol or Stubby Clapp who will take over, you know, is Bruce Bochy willing to do what Dusty Baker did in Houston? You know, is Buck Showalter willing to do what Dusty Baker did in Houston? Like, I'm so desperate for a job. I love Dusty that he'll go and just be told, here's your staff. I don't think these guys who have dirt in their cleats are going to do that. So to me, this is where the, the role in in managing is and, and where it's going to be for an extended period of time. You're going to have managers coming up from within, and it's basically like AAU basketball. You know, you, you just work for a program on a given day. You don't even know the, the, the assistant coach next to you. You're, you're all just part of a program. 
And I don't know if that's good. I, deep down, I don't like the sound of that. But I hope Mike Schultz gets another chance doing this. Greg Amsinger, uh it's interesting when you look at recent history, Alex Cora, his first major league managerial job with the Red Sox, David, Dave Roberts, his first major league managerial job with the Dodgers, Davey Martinez, same with the Nationals. But for a long stretch of time, you go back to A.J. Hinch, it was his second job. Madden was his second job. Ned Yost was his second job. Bochy was his second job. It used to be that you needed that experience before you could win. What has changed that's a great point. John Hart, longtime GM of the Cleveland Indians, Texas Rangers, told me that he only wanted to hire managers who had done it before. And the reason was every single manager who loses their job always sits back and reflects and goes, how would I do it differently? And that is like the missing ingredient to, to uh, an impact manager and a guy who's just getting his feet wet. I mean, the A.J. Hinch uh, comparison is the most dramatic. I mean, just his confidence in the role, you could see it. I remember doing live look-ins when he was with the Diamondbacks, and there, was, there were a couple moments where he went to a binder and was flipping to a binder. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. And we were all going off on A.J. Hinch, like, how is this guy ever going to be a good big league manager? When he lost that job, we are like, well, this is it. You'll, you'll never see him again. Uh, Brad Ausmus at times looked like he was lost, and some people think that Brad Ausmus will manage again, and more than likely, he will. I, I just think it's the it, it's the direction of two things. Um, technology being in the dugout is a bad thing. I mean, I, I've heard that with these iPads that are down there, the front office is communicating with the the manager and his staff, and I, that to me that looks like meddling. I made this one comp to it. Like you can tell when you watch an NFL game, if Jerry Jones is doing that thing again, where he's getting involved in play calling or who should be on the field for the Dallas Cowboys, you can tell an NFL team that has a, an owner that's meddling and major league baseball with all these pitching changes and over shifting and big leaguers who are looking their caps to see where they're supposed to be standing. It just looks like a product with a front office that's meddling constantly. And I think if you got rid of all technology in the dugout, get rid of all of it. You cannot look at your previous at-bat. Sorry, if you didn't do your homework last night, you're going to have to take the test without your notes. This is the way it is. Get rid of all the technology that prohibits front offices from communicating with the, their, their staff down low. And, and you've got to get back to instinctual baseball. And you're going to have to let your manager go with his gut a couple times. That's okay. It's okay to let a guy with experience make a feel move because that's kind of part of what athletics is about. It's instant reactionary decision-making. And let's put that back in baseball because as it is right now, it just looks like a bunch of overcoached players who aren't having instinctual fun. In terms of uh, Mike Schild, what are the other openings? um, And do you think he's got a legitimate shot to get San Diego? I do. Um, yeah, I know a couple of people over there, and, and they, they think that A.J. Preller looks at him the same, really the same recipe for success that Randy just led to me with the previous question, to have a guy that just lost a dream job. And this just wasn't a manager managing in his first big league opportunity. Mike Schilt was a Cardinal true and through and lost that gig, and no one saw it coming for a reason because all he did was win. 
and his players love playing for him. If your players don't like playing for you, a 17-game winning streak is hard to pull off because it looked like now, if he was on the hot seat, if that was a, if that was a buzz around the, the clubhouse, it looked like a team that was playing for their manager. I mean, to win every single night, be back in the postseason mix. I think A.J. Preller looks at Mike Schilder, the guy who's got a chip on his shoulder, learned a lot, uh, and is out to prove something. I, I, I think he would be in the top three of where they would like to go from a managerial perspective. To me, those two, are, those two positions are the positions in Major League Baseball. Matter of fact, I can't remember we had this conversation. The last time there were two jobs open at the same time of ready to win right now. Now, forget the Yankees because of their payroll or the Dodgers. I'm talking about unique talents, star talents, Hall of Fame talents with this beautiful mix of veteran and youth that the Padres have and the St. Louis Cardinals have. For both of these positions to be open at the same time, it's funny. You would think... Bochy's getting back in the game, guys. Buck Showalter, here we go. Maybe Mike Sosha's going to be managing again. But because of the theme and the narrative around managing right now, I don't see that happening. I think it's going to be a young, unproven guy who's bought into the analytics or a guy that tried to buy into the analytics, is willing to do it again, uh, but doesn't have that big, hefty price tag next to his name and is willing to take on whatever assistant coaches that they give him. So that's why I think Schilt will be a top three finalist for the Padres. And you're not going to see these, these hall of fame managers in the mix for these two primo jobs in St. Louis and in San Diego. Greg, if you could put on Moe's bow tie for a minute or have Mr. Uh, DeWitt's checkbook, I want you to make the hire. Not who do you think they'll hire. If you could make the hire, who do you think would be the best person to occupy the Cardinals manager position? And two guys, uh, number two on my list. This is just me being greedy, okay? Number two on my list, Mark McGuire. I think Mark McGuire has a lot to give to baseball still. I think he loves the sport. Um, I know that for a fact. His kids are getting older. I think he would look at this as a job of his dreams. He loved being a hitting coach. Loved it. And anybody that worked with him knows his baseball IQ is off the charts. He'd be amazing. I think it'd be great to see. I don't know if he'd be willing to walk into a staff that's already assembled, but he's number two. Number one is someone that I maybe, I, I mean, I don't get a chance to listen to your show all the time. This is way off the radar, way off to me. Maybe not. You guys maybe already talked about it. I think this guy has a perspective that few people have. I think he um, is one of the nicest human beings I've ever met knows the game at an immense level. If I was making this call and the fact that he's been around the club for the last few years, my, the guy I'm hiring is a Molina, but it's Benji Molina. Benji Molina would be named the new manager of the St. Louis Cardinals. If Greg Amsinger was making that call, I think having Yachty so close, understanding all the ins and outs of this organization because of that relationship and, 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 being so widely respected. I mean, so widely respected. I'm a big fan of catchers as managers. They're everywhere throughout Major League Baseball. And his ability to communicate in multiple languages. Uh, that If I was making the hire, no offense to Oliver Marmol and Stubby Clapp, whoever else could be on this list, or Jose Okendo, who I love. But the guy that I would hire is Benji Molina. Great idea. We hadn't we hadn't brought that one up. You're you're brilliant as always. All right, we <laughs> we need to get to the playoffs. Are the Dodgers done without Justin Turner? 
Yeah, I don't. I, and it's not. It's not just Justin Turner. It's Max Muncie. Yep. If I would have told you, you know, before the postseason started, their their three and four hitters would not be in the lineup. Do the Dodgers have that much depth? No. At the end of the day, they need Albert Pools to play first base. <laughs> they need Albert Pools to play first base in a game five. That is how. That is how thin they are at the moment. And you know, honestly, they deserve to lose. They deserve to lose. I'm sorry, you mess with the Rias. His stuff was nowhere close to what it's been all year. It's almost as if they got annoyed that he was winning all the starts. He had lost since June 20th. What can we do to mess with this kid? Let's bring him out of a bullpen on two days rest. Now start another game against a red-hot team. It was a, it, it's been annoying. Gavin Lux in center field. Hey, kid, learn how to play center field in the postseason. Yeah, right. I just, so many of these decisions made no sense to me. To me, they deserve to lose. I think we're going to be going to Atlanta for the World Series as I say that. At the end of the show last night, I reminded our audience they were one win away from the Fall Classic last year, and the same group of Dodgers beat them three straight. So they can't forget that. They're not going to a neutral site. Instead, they're going to go home. The place is going to be packed. I think the Braves have this. There's no chance the Dodgers pull this off without Justin Turner. And then I have to believe, as you guys were watching, you and Harold and uh, Mike Lowell last night are watching Dusty let Valdez go through the lineup for a third time. All of you were probably giving a fist pump, right? We applauded Framber Valdez at the beginning of the show, like standing ovation. (laughs) It was so wonderful to see. I mean, I really, I, I ran out of my office. I was on the air with Mike Lowell, Harold, all, all, all of our producers, sprinted out of my office. Uh, they were eating Chinese food. And I'm, like, yelling at them, like, he's not doing it. He's not doing it. When he gave up his first two base runners in the game in the fourth inning, and Dusty Baker came walking out. You know, w- when you're watching these games, um, and some of these national networks, they don't constantly let you know if there's no uh, – show me show me the, the, the bullpen. I want to see if no one's up in the bullpen. I, I don't need to see that there's someone up only. Show me the bullpen. It's a, it's more powerful when there's no one up. But I had no idea that there was anyone warming for the Houston Astros. When he gave up his first two base runners in the fourth inning, or in the fifth inning, and I see Dusty Baker walking out to the mound, I was going to lose lose it on postseason baseball. I was going to scream and cry, almost take my lunch and go home. Like, I don't want to host this show anymore. This is terrible baseball. But thankfully, Dusty Baker just walked out, gave him a pep talk, walked back in, which, hey, you never see anymore. You never see a manager just walk out, talk, and walk back in. So I love the way he pitched. You know, a deceiving fastball, the sinker, which was breaking away from righties. He was awesome. And I love that curveball. 15-mile-an-hour difference between his fastball and curveball. Frimer Valdez, 5'11", lefty got it done. And the Astros are figuring out a way without their best starting pitcher. I try to remind that to people. Lance McCullers was their best pitcher, and they're doing this without him. This is a terrific performance by what I believe is a surefire Hall of Fame manager, Dusty Baker. And I, I hate to give the organization too much credit, but they're doing it without Cole, Verlander, and Charlie Morton. And really? Without Zach Greinke. Yeah, yeah. Because Zach Greinke is throwing up a 63-mile-an-hour ethos pitch at Fenway Park and throwing it and getting out of the way because it's not working out. So they are they are really super thin based on what we're used to seeing from the Houston Astros. They've kind of piecemealed this thing together in their starting rotation. The bullpen, without any true flamethrowers. I mean, Ryan Presley is one of the best relievers in the American League. No one talks about because he's not coming close to 100 miles an hour. It has been an old-school approach to using a terrific defense, which the Astros have, 
and, and making sure they get outs. Look, man, there are going to be people booing them everywhere they go because of what they did. I understand that. But what they're doing this year under a microscope of making sure no one cheats is proving, uh, and there are going to be some fans in St. Louis that hate to hear this, they didn't need to cheat. They didn't need – I know they did, and they deserve the consequences of doing that. This team was so good, and it's still so good. They didn't need to cheat, and that's what they're proving right now. Greg, you're the best. We'll be watching tonight, MLB tonight, after the game, and keep up the great work. All right, go Blues. Let's go Blues. Uh, Greg Amzinger, MLB Network, joining us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. He is fantastic. Next up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line. We've got Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Going to do a brief take it or leave it for you here on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Dan, and Randy, I don't know if you guys saw that the Washington football team has fired. They've cut their kicker, Dustin Hopkins, and they have signed a kicker, a kicker, mind you, by the name of Chris Blewett. Oh, no. <laughs> take it or leave it. Oh. You would be okay with a kicker named Chris Blewett. Well... <laughs> As long as he is good at his job, if he's bad, the headline yes. writes itself. <laughs> it sure does. Well, it's kind of like, you know, um, all right, making the start today for the Pirates is Bob Walk. But to your point, Michelle, if he's doing his job and he's not walking a lot and he's giving you a chance to win, I can live with Bob Walk. And if blew it doesn't blow it, then I'm fine with him, too. <laughs> but can you imagine if you oh. if you lose a game it's just his last name as the headline that's it that's you blew it it's a really tough name in sports (laughs) it's a really tough name if you're in sports yikes yeah um i can't shake that one that's well and kickers too i feel like are uh, always in that position Mm -hmm. i can see it it's gonna take it or leave it that happens that his his last name is just the headline yeah take it Oh, take it or leave it. Okay, my take it or leave it is uh, take it or leave it. Vladimir Tarasenko will be a blue at the trade deadline of the uh, this this current season. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it, too. I think he's here. All right. Yeah. And I've got another one for you quick because we always like the I.O., right? Devin Bush. Devin Bush's dad, great guy, former uh, St. Louis Ram. Devin Bush Jr., linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers, inside linebacker, uh, has gone I.O. with uh, his significant other. Montana Uh, Her name is Skirte Lika, but her her real name is Scooty Booty. Oh, her uh, IG so, name is Scooty Booty. Yeah, so take it or leave it. If indeed they get married IRL, that we need to have her hyphenate her name so that she's Scooty Booty Bush. Do you think take she, it or leave she it. changes her handle to Scooty Booty Bush? Yeah. Wouldn't Let's that be see, great? Can you spell to... Scooty for me? It's S K O O T I E. B-O-O-T-I-E. Scooty Booty. <laughs> Scooty Booty. You did a Jack Buck there. I did. I was thinking, Scooty. I was thinking the other day uh, about Jack, and I don't know why this came up. I was watching Houston, and uh, they used to have a pitcher back in the 70s named Mark Lemongello. And oh, nice. the Angels at the time, before he tragically passed away, had an outfielder named Lyman Bostock. 
And Jack said during a broadcast, Mark Lemangelo has a brother named Lyman. Lyman Lemangelo. (laughs) (laughs) I do like uh, the 618 here says, my urologist name is Dr. Hatchet. (laughs) Yeah, that's a rough one. I'm going to somebody else. You know how uh, rappers have government names, but then they have their rap Mm -hmm. names, but sometimes you address them in person, face-to-face by their rap name? Mm -hmm. What do you think it's like with Scooty Booty? When she goes to the doctor, do you think she checks in as Scooty Booty? yeah, absolutely. And then the doctor says, hey, how are you doing, Scoot? Uh, Miss Booty, you're going to be in room, <laughs> room number two. Scooty <laughs> Booty. Scooty Booty. Yeah. And, and what happens when you tell your friends and family, oh, don't call me Michelle anymore. I'm ref- referred to me as Scooty, Scooty. Booty. Yep. <laughs> and everyone just nods along. Okay, great. Michelle, don't you love the fact that Randy now refers to, he's like, okay, they've gone I.O. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. No problem. Can I give you what my take earlier was going yes. to be quickly? So it's going to be an interesting matchup this weekend for the Rams because Jared Goff makes his return with the Lions, the Rams and the Lions. And Jared Goff says he has a chip on his shoulder to face the Rams. Take it or leave it. Jared Goff pulls off the upset and the Lions beat the Rams. I'm going to leave it. I think it's yeah. more likely that he has a chip in his shoulder rather than on his shoulder. <laughs> Caused by Aaron Donald. Yeah. 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 Big tackle. I can see that. All right. A few texts. Emily, what do we have? From the 636, take it or leave it. A current rostered Cardinal joins Schilt wherever he goes next season. Hmm. As in a player? They make yeah, a move yeah. with a player? I'm going to leave that. Yeah, I'm going to leave that too because I'm not sure which position. I mean, the position that you think about that they may trade from if they can potentially not saying that they would uh you may go with the young and sosa next year but you got a pretty good shortstop in san diego mm-hmm. and yeah. you're not gonna you know second base tommy yeah no i don't think you're gonna trade him molina's not going anywhere how about this goldie arenado no how about a non-roster carlos martinez for a team that needed a lot of starting pitching down the stretch hey if you're if you're starting jake arietta Mm-hmm. And you're making a trade to go get the the cat from Philly. I can't remember his name. That uh, started. Vince Velasquez. Thank you. Yeah, take a flyer on Carlos. And Mike loves him. Oh, I was going to say if if you were Mike Schilt, though, is that a move that you want? He's had him since 2012 in Springfield. Yeah, That's yeah. A good point. He, he yeah. loves him. From the five seven three, take it or leave it. Bennington will be the starting goalie for Canada in the Olympics. I'm going to have to leave that. Who would you have? I think Carey Price will probably be their guy. Well, maybe the better question is, does he make Team Canada? That's a good question. I don't even know if he's on their list. He's going to have to be because if he's playing like this, you're going to want him. And your GM, you know, Doug Armstrong is kind of in a a rock and a hard place, right? So is Ryan O'Reilly one of your best players that you could put on Team Canada? I could make a case for yes and no. But he's my captain. He's going to make my Team Canada team because I'm going to get grit. I'm going to get a great player. I know that. But there might be some other players at that position that you'd look at on paper and go, ah, I want that guy. Jordan Bennington, the same way. I, I, I mean, I'm not going to. And these guys want to do it. Yeah. They oh, want to represent yeah. their country. It's very important to them. The HockeyWriters.com has Carey Price, Mark andre Fleury. And if you went right now, wouldn't be Fleury. It would be Jordan Bennington. It's got to be and, Bennington. And Darcy Kemper. Yeah. I, I, Bennington's got to make it, I think. I would think so, Now, too. with three games in, granted, but if he's this going to be this kind of player, he's on my team. Thanks, Emily. 
Thank you. Coming up next, the Blues did knock off the Golden Knights last night, 3-1, and Jordan Biddington had a great game. We'll hear what his coach had to say about him next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. up to the line and the Knights will play it out. Petrangelo spins it rink wide. Blues come back in again. Shin down the middle to Cairo. They score! Tarasenko putting the pressure on with the goalie pull. Thomas gets it. Thomas rink wide to the backhander. Score! Empty net goal for Ivan Barbashev. Three ticks remaining. The horn sounds and bring out the Zamboni. A perfect road trip for the Blues to open 2021-22 NHL season. It's a good road trip for us, and uh, you know we got to keep building, keep working hard, and, and having fun as a team, and just take it one game at a time. It is 8:08 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Chris Kerber had the call last night from Vegas, and then you heard Binner, who was fantastic last night, faced 43 shots, made 42 saves. wasn't one of the stars of the game, but hey, in our minds, he was number one in our hearts. Yeah, and as Kerb said, the Blues with a perfect three and O road trip to start the season. The first time the Blues have ever done that. You know, in that bite from Jordan Bennington there, yes, it was an unbelievable start to the season, the best possible outcome for the Blues. But I love how he said we need to just keep having fun. Because don't you get the sense from watching this Blues team early on that they're clicking and that this team has good chemistry and they feel loose, they feel Mm -hmm. confident in themselves and like they're having fun? That's a great sign this early on for a team that at times last season, even down the stretch, kind of struggled to find their identity at times. And Coach Hitchcock, guys, always talked about buy-in. And by the way, he's a coaching consultant now. And when you see that Vladdy had seven shots on goal, had a couple of more shots that were missed shots, and then a couple of more that were blocked. So he, he took 11 shots on goal, which was far and away the most on the team. And you can't score unless you shoot. That was a big night for me that Vladimir Tarasenko had for the Blues. He's playing like the rest of his teammates. It's a game changer going forward. And uh, what do you think the reception is going to be like this weekend? Home opener, you're 3-0, and the place is going to be rocking. They introduce the players and full house for the first time since 2019. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be rocking. And they're going to introduce Tarasenko coming off that kind of game in which he was a major factor in the game. It just, it, it... you know, I haven't really, when I looked at the Blues, and I think they are loaded up front, I think they're going to score a lot of goals. I hadn't really been counting on Vladimir Tarasenko when I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking, you know, can they get something out of Clem Costin? Uh, what's Saad going to be like? Is Cairo going to take that next step? Those are the kind of things I've been thinking about. And I've been like, well, you know, Tarasenko, show you're healthy, see what you can do. Well, we saw it. It's still there, and it was there last night. And if he's going to be this kind of player, watch out. I mean, it's a different team. But that's what he kept 
kept saying this offseason, I'm healthy. I feel like I can still contribute. And what was our response? Show us. Show us that you're that guy. We're in the show me state. We're in the show me state. (laughs) And we haven't seen it in a long time. And I think a lot of people were wondering if he was, in fact, 100% healthy or if he could ever get to even a shade of the old Vladimir Tarasenko with all of the injuries that he sustained. But if this is the product that we're going to get out of him, how, how do you want to move if you're him? If you're right. playing on a team that seemingly is embracing you and you're having success, if this was what started out as an audition for other teams, I don't know if it's going to end up that way. JR had a great note uh, in The Athletic. We're going to visit with him momentarily, but he said he had seven shots on net, as Randy mentioned, making that the most he's had in his last two-plus seasons, done it three times in 45 games, including the playoffs. So clearly a different player last night. So it's there. A couple of other nice things about last night. Once again, they're able to give Colton Pareko a ton of ice time. He had an assist and he was a plus two in 25-29. Scandella is on the ice for 20 minutes and 51 seconds. He's also a plus two. And overall, and I know that uh, Coach Berube wants his defense to button down a little bit more. You allow 43 shots. You can't have that. But with Bennington playing the way he is and seeing a lot of shots, you have to like the way that at least their goal suppression has been so far. And for his part, Bennington was asked whether or not he feels like he's on top of his game. Do you feel particularly locked in here at the start of the season? Uh, it's just one game at a time, JT. And, uh, you know, it's always fun playing in Vegas and, um, you know, just the atmosphere here and, uh, it's a great hockey team, so it's always a competitive game. So uh, we really stepped up tonight, and um, you know, it was fun to be a part of and try and give the team a chance to win. He won't say it, but I will. He's locked in. I'd say he's locked in. So he's two six seven goals against a nine twenty one save percentage, and he did this against two of the top three teams potentially before it all shakes out in Colorado and Vegas. Now there were some injuries that the opposition was dealing with or COVID list. However, it doesn't matter. Everybody's going to have injuries. Bottom line is winning the game. Um, and there's so much to take away from this road trip. Whether it was Tarasenko last night, the start of Jordan Cairo. I love what I see out of neighbors. I want to see more of him. Mm -hmm, Me too. I I don't know, man. He needs a better number. I don't know. uh, No, it's fine. 63, right? Yeah, it's fine. Why why don't you like it? That's just... that's not it. The family for a already bought the player. 63 sweaters. Oh, did they? Yeah. They're it's locked the, in. The player that makes the number, not the Thank other you. way around. Thank he needs you. a number Thank nine. You. Something like that. He needs to be like Gordy Who. Hey? No. Well, speaking of nine, do you, do you keep him after nine games? I think you have to. He's shown a lot of things that I've watched, and I'm like, wow. And, and when I hear Craig Berube talk about him, uh-huh. I, I, just, I think he's leaning towards keeping him, too. And he made a move the other night in Arizona behind the net that you go, that's really good. Yeah, I mean, that, just, that, not many guys are making that kind of move in their second NHL game. Just gifted. He's very gifted. And they moved him up on a line. I mean, they're giving him chances. He's penalty kill. So he's playing some of the special teams. Um, it just looks like more than a, a you know, eight, nine game. See you later. Right. type of situation with him. Yeah. Minnesota also 3 and 0 in the Central Division. Dallas is 2 and 2. They have 4 points. Nashville is 1 and 2 and then you've got Colorado sitting there at 1 and 2. Winnipeg 0 and 2. Arizona 0 and 2 and Chicago is 0 and 3 to start the season. Not with an overtime loss. So, not great for them. Lance 0 and 3. 
Uh, no, uh, they're one and two. Yeah, they got two points. Oh, who's zero and three? Uh, the Blackhawks. Oh, Hawks. Okay. Yeah. Oh, three right. and one. Okay. So they at least have a point. All right. So they'll be fine. Hey, did you guys know that the Blues Bud Light 14th Street Party is taking place Saturday, presented by 101 ESPN, happening outside Enterprise Center. Fans with or without tickets for the home opener that night are invited to join in on the pregame fun on Saturday afternoon. You can enjoy live music from the Steve Ewing Band, hear from blues broadcasters, and have the chance to win blues prizes throughout the day. Plus, Bud Light Happy Hour pricing, local food trucks, appearances by Louie and Barkley. Oh, and what? more. Louis and Barkley are going to be there? Yes. Wow. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're double teaming the, the crowd there. Uh, the Blues Bud Light 14th Street Party, Saturday, starting at 2 o'clock. Get details now at 101ESPN.com or on the 101 ESPN app if you choose to do it that way. So there you have it. Uh, that is today's fresh take on 101 ESPN. JR is in an airport. Is he in the, the Vegas airport? I would assume so. Okay. So uh, on his way home. So we're going to get to... What other airport would he be in? St. Louis Airport. Oh, okay. Well, oh, no. He just went through security. Oh, yeah. they're, they're not going to be taking off at uh, 2 in the morning, Randall, to get here in the St. Louis Airport. This is his first flight out, probably. No. Well, you could do a... If you did it right, you could do a red eye. Let's see. You'd have to go through Dallas, Vegas. probably, or Chicago. Yeah, you could, I guess. Yeah. So, but All that's right, not then. what's happening. No. He stayed and gambled. He did. <laughs> yeah. And let's see if he won. We will. JR, next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. You know what that song means. It's time to head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And on the other end is Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues Insider from The Athletic. He's still in Vegas getting ready to come home as the Blues get ready to take on the Kings in their home opener on Saturday night. The Blues with a perfect start to their season, 3-0 and in the games in Colorado, Arizona, and Vegas. Jared, good morning. How you doing? Good morning. Good morning. I needed that. Thanks uh, for the sweetie intro there. Hey, we, we always want to take care of our guys, and we know that you love that, so we thought we'd get it on there for you. Mm-hmm. That's great. No, it's uh, getting me going here, just going through the airport. Yeah, it was a late night. Yeah, you're right, Randy. If I would have done it right, I probably should have taken the red eye, but uh, Curbs and I just kind of meandering through the casino after the game. Well, Jr. I want to start with Vladimir Tarasenko. Obviously a big game for him last night, but it just seems like we're seeing a side of Vladimir Tarasenko, whether it's what we're seeing physically on the ice and also from a personality and chemistry standpoint with this team that we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, Michelle, I really do think we saw that last night. We didn't see it in the first two games, but I always like to give guys a few games. You know, it doesn't matter who it is, Vladimir Tarasenko situation or, you know, Jordan Cairo. You know, it doesn't matter. But it takes a couple games to kind of get up to – speed with everything you know I know they had a long training camp but still uh, and so last night what we saw is the guy who he's engaged uh, I thought that we saw a guy who was making the little plays and I saw a guy who was uh, attacking and that was the biggest thing Craig Ruby said that afterwards is his attack and he was going to the net he was looking to shoot 
He doesn't always do that. We saw it last night, and as Jordan Bennington said, hopefully more of that to come. You know, we've talked so much about that situation, Jr. Uh, and you're around it every day with the players. Is it mentioned much anymore? Is it kind of an afterthought, and whatever happens, happens? But uh, they're just not really talking about his situation. Yeah, not not talked about too much. I mean, anytime you'd bring it up to a team or, or players, they just say, hey, look, we're not thinking about that right now. And whether they are or not, you know, who, who knows? Uh, but I think when he's uh, contributing and, and helping them win games like he did last night, then everything's going to be fine for as long as it uh, needs to be. You know, the question I kind of posed in, in the article today is, Dan, you know, if he plays like that, it's either going to be A, super helpful to the Blues because you're talking about a guy on the third line who can direct uh, nine shots or 11 shots on net. And I think uh, if you're talking about an eventual trade, then you're talking about Doug Armstrong doing the right thing and holding on to his uh, player until he got the deal that he wanted. I mean, listen, in two months or trade deadline or next summer, you could be talking about getting a situation where you don't have to pay the the 7.5 for next season if indeed that's the way it goes. So, you know, if he's going to play like he did last night on a regular basis, one of those two things is going to happen. Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic with us on 101 ESPN. JR, it's only three games, but has there been a player that you've watched in this 3-0 start that has exceeded your expectations early on, leaving Vladdy out of this, but is there anybody else that you think has played well, better than you thought they would? You know, I think that everybody had high expectations for Jordan Cairo, but look, it's hard to to put up some points last year, get your name circled by the opponent, and come back out and do it again. And to come out of these first three games against teams like Colorado and and Vegas, and granted they were missing some of their big guys, uh, but to have a team-high seven points, you know, just phenomenal. Look at the play on that that game-winning goal last night by Tarasenko. You know, it looks like a easy situation three on all but that's some quick puck movement by uh, Jordan Kyrou so to me even though he's a guy who came in the season and you said okay he's going to be pretty good I just think uh, he's been incredible. Jerry you mentioned both Vegas and Colorado missing big guys how how much stock are you putting into that obviously the Blues won the game and they looked good doing it but it's a a little bit of fool's gold to really uh, kind of use those games as a barometer for the Blues when both teams were missing two stars each yeah, that's a good point. I think you can look at it two ways. I think you can look at it like, yeah, I mean, in a couple months when uh, Vegas and, and Colorado are probably rolling a little bit uh, and they've got those guys in the lineup. And, you know, you're talking about four of the top probably 50 players in the league when you're talking about McKinnon and Landeskog and Stone and Pacioretty. Um, you know, these guys are, are you know leaders of their team. So I think you have to take it with a mulligan. But at the same time, I think you can look at it and say, what a start. I mean, 3-0 and to come out on the road. I think that's the first time in Blues history they've gone on the road for the first three games and, and won all three of them. And, and they played well. Yeah, were there some defensive lapses that they're going to have to clean up? And, you know, they were playing the score at the end of those first two games. Sure. But then you come into to Vegas last night, and I thought just played a thoroughly entertaining game. I mean, this is going to be a fun brand of hockey to watch. And so I think it does say something about the Blues even though those teams are missing those key players. Yeah, it was up and down uh, both sides last night. Made it so entertaining for fans. I, I want to go back to neighbors for a bit, and maybe I'm wrong about this, Jr. but I've, I've heard Craig Berube here on 101, and uh, and now watching how he's used him, moving up a line, he's used him in um, penalty kill situation with neighbors. You know, is it is it going to go beyond the nine games? I, I kind of lean towards yes, and I understand we're only three in, but what do you think? Yeah, only three in, and he wasn't as noticeable last night maybe as, as the first couple games. You know, if I had to pick today, I, I, I think that he stays. You know, I think that uh, if they send him back, 
if he goes back to junior, you can't bring him back until the end of his junior year. So, you know, you send him back after nine games, you could be kicking yourself in a couple months because you don't have him. Uh, but, you know, if, if he flat lines and, and they think that, okay, maybe he isn't going to develop the best uh, here. And Doug Armstrong, that's what he told me on the walk to the uh, rink in Arizona a couple nights ago. We have to think about him as a 22, 23-year-old. What's best for him in the future? Not necessarily right now. If they make that decision, then perhaps they send them back. But to me, uh, he's been uh, the story. And uh, I told uh, the fast lane yesterday, the guys, that uh, I've never heard a team, a coach, talk about a guy, a 19-year-old, like they do Jake yeah. Neighbors. And it, it's so well-deserved. And so I think he stays, but we still got a little ways to go to figure that out. JR, as great as Jordan Binnington has been, he can't play every game. I would anticipate that he'll get the home opener, but then the Blues get the Kings here again on Monday. Do you think that'll be the first time we see Ville Husso this year? Yes, I do. That's what we were talking about in the press box last night. I mean, you had to go with uh, Bennington and get these wins, kind of keep this thing going. And, you know, uh, you got to start your, your guy on uh, opening night. So I think they'll do that with Bennington on Saturday against L.A. and then back-to-back against L.A., which uh, playing pretty well, by the way. Anze Kopitar is off a ter- to a terrific start. Uh, I think we'll probably see Billy Huso on Monday. All right. Have a safe trip home. Enjoy the slot machines at the Vegas airport. And if you win anything, uh, say it's the, uh, as they call it, the fa- the uh, fast lane, the Carriker and Smallman bump. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll do it. We'll do it. Okay. Yeah, I'll let you guys know as soon as I get back. All right. Thanks, sir. See you later. Hey, thanks, guys. That is Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues Insider from The Athletic on 101 ESPN. We do have the character in Smallman Bomb. Adam Wainwright had a pretty good year, didn't he? David Perron. Had a pretty good year, right? We had Lars Newbar on. He makes the catch, the yep. unbelievable catch right after that. Also doing great in the Arizona Fall League. That's yeah. right. So it's because he was Putting on the numbers. I'm telling you. Athletes take note. Mm-hmm. Yep. Coming up next, we've got another edition of The Fight here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> It's 8.34 in the morning. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And it's time for the fight. And I can already tell this is going to be a controversial fight because Danny Mac is not pleased with the questions. Dan is always pulling for the yeah. listener, and he thinks that this is a slam dunk for Randy. Well, now that you've said that, who's our fighter again? It's Bill. Bill's with us. Bill? Good morning, Bill. Yeah, good morning, Bill. How are you? Good morning. Bill, do you know your uh, sports trivia? Are you, are you a sports nut? I, I don't like the way it sounded when you said uh, well, slam dunk for Randy. <laughs> well, I'm just going to say that uh, be on top of your game, okay? That's all I'm going to say. But by the way, what do you do for a living? That's my favorite question. Uh, I'm a teamster. Okay. Well, thank you for what you do. And uh, away we go with Bill. All William, right. good luck. Bill, we are pulling for you. Question. All right, thank you. You got it. Question number one. On this day in 2004, the Cardinals advanced to the World Series for the first time in 17 years, beating which team in seven games? The Los Angeles Dodgers, the Houston Astros, or the New York Mets? Uh, I'm going to go with the Astros. All okay. Right, on this day in 2006, the Cardinals played game one of the World Series against the Tigers. Justin Verlander got the start for the Tigers. Which Cardinals pitcher started the game for St. Louis? Was it Chris Carpenter, Jeff Weaver, or Anthony Reyes? 
I wanted to say that was uh, Carpenter, I believe. Question number three for you, Bill. Happy belated birthday to Cardinals Hall of Famer Keith Hernandez, who turned 68 yesterday. Which 1990s sitcom was Hernandez a guest star on for several episodes? Was it King of Queens, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, or Seinfeld? I believe it was Seinfeld. Happy 38th birthday to Astros right-hander, six-time All-Star, some believe future Hall of Famer Zach Greinke. He was selected sixth overall in 2002 by which team? Kansas City, the L.A. Dodgers, or the Milwaukee Brewers? Uh, Brewers. Okay, checking our score here. Randy's coming in. He's slam dunked. <laughs> He's got a Diet Dr. Pepper, which is his fuel of choice. So, Oh, no. I know, Bill. I don't, I don't it's have okay. a hey, Randy. Keep Say that hi confidence. To Bill. You, never, you never know, Bill. Okay. Stranger things have happened. Although Randy does have that conf- have? confident gleam in his eye. <laughs> Say hello to Bill. Hi, Bill. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing good, Randy. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We do appreciate it. Yeah, first-time player, long-time listener. Thank you very much for listening. Well, I'm glad, Bill, that you texted in finally. It's great to have you. Absolutely. Sure. Randy, you ready? Mm. I'm ready. As Dan shows us his displeasure here. Question number one. On this day in 2004, the Cardinals advanced to the World Series for the first time in 17 years, beating which team in seven games? I'm thinking that uh, maybe Scott Rowland hit a home run and a start for Roger Clemens and the Cardinals beat Jeff the... Jeff was one of the moment. Yeah, give us the history. Uh, right down the left field line, right? Houston and Astros. Albert Pujols is rounding third, pumping up his fist in the air. Yeah, go ahead. Houston Astros. That's what I'm going with, 2004. Cardinals play game one of the World Series against the Tigers this date in 06. Justin Verlander got the start for the Tigers, which Cardinals starter uh, made that start in that game. Danny's a fireman now out in California. His name is Anthony Reyes. Good guy. Dog. Really good guy, right? <laughs> Go ahead, Michelle. Sorry, I was just letting Bill uh, give his commentary there. <laughs> Question number three, Randy. Happy belated birthday to Cardinals Hall of Famer Keith Hernandez. He turned 68 yesterday. Wow. HBD to Keith. Yeah. Which 1990 sitcom was Hernandez a guest star on for several episodes? Oh, man. There had to be a second spitter with Seinfeld. I mm. He and Roger McDowell, right? Why don't you give us some history about uh, Seinfeld? Uh, Seinfeld, uh, <laughs> actually, Jerry Seinfeld and Larry David came That's up right. with the idea for a show about nothing. And the show really was about nothing. And uh, the best episodes were The Contest and The Chinese Restaurant. Happy 38th definitely, birthday to definitely Zach not the, Definitely not the last episode, that's for sure. That's this is right, true. Bill. You're right about that. Bill. Good job <laughs> chiming in, Bill. Happy 38th birthday to Zach Ranke, selected sixth overall in 02 by which team? Uh, the Royals with cheese. Emily, just ring it. Just ring it. The winner and still champion of the fight. Randy Carriker. Brought to you by Optical Expressions. Providing St. Louis with top quality eye care and eyewear since 1997. Win, 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 win. Just win, baby. <laughs> Emily, would you like Go to crazy, folks. Go crazy. Don't laugh at that, Bill. Everybody panic. Why are we panicking? Because there was a chance that I could lose if Dan had his way. Oh, Bill, I'm sorry. Randy got all four correct. This was, in fact, a slam dunk for him. He gets the jack, but you got two correct, so good job. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. 
you know, you know, it's a it's a lot easier playing when you're not or listening to it and not playing than when you're playing. I understand, Bill. I've had to sit in that chair. It is stressful. There's a lot of pressure. Things that you know you know somehow escape your brain when you're sitting in that chair. So the Cardinals on this day in 2004 advanced to the World Series for the first time in 17 years, beating the Astros in seven games. They won 4-3. to three. Uh, Anthony Reyes made the start game one for the Cardinals in 06, which we talked about earlier on the show if you're paying attention. <laughs> well... I, I kind of was, but I had a, a phone call I had to take. So. No problem, Bill. More it's important okay, things Bill. to do. We understand. So it was uh, Keith Hernandez's birthday yesterday. He turned 68, and he was a guest star uh, for several episodes, not on King of Queens, not on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, I was really thinking Fresh Prince. Me too. He and Will Smith. Lean that way. Yeah, Uncle Phil. Yeah. Uh, no, it was, in fact, Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Uh, Zach Greinke drafted by the Royals. So thanks for listening, Bill. Thanks for playing. Hey, next time I won't type in bold fight. I'll just put fight in all yeah. lowercase. <laughs> we have uh, 636 as my son got all four before he heard the options. All right. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks, Bill, for playing. Thanks, Bill. Great Appreciate effort. it. Okay, Randy, go ahead. Do what you want to do here. Oh, here. I can see it. You I can see your to? hand hovering. Oh, we He's get, we ready get. to play a sounder. Just win, baby. Oh, that was fun. No, I had another one. Hold on. You want to hear it? Not really. <laughs> Come on, Dan. Tell me about what's on your phone. He sent me a, what, a gif or whatever yeah. they call that thing and said, just all I do is win. What kind of a show are you guys putting on here today? Well, right now it's not great. <laughs> He's taunting you now too, Dan? Yeah. Not only the listener is he taunting, the person yeah. that takes their time out of their day to share their morning yeah. with us, mm-hmm. and he's taunting you? Uh, actually, Dan, I, I'll have you know that I have not touched my phone since I walked into the room. So clearly, I send you that gif, or jif, whatever you want to call it, uh, of all I do is win, win, win. Famous song by DJ Khaled. Uh, I, Khalid. I said that, Khalid. Is well, it Khaled? It's Khaled. Well, I was still out in the hallway. <laughs> he's my dog, but I, yeah. Dan, huge fan. Big people, time. People don't know that about Dan. Huge DJ Khaled guy. Oh, man. Yeah, they used to play that song after every uh, Rams win at home. So we've heard it once? Twice. Yeah. <laughs> mm. NFL News and Notes coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Joe Buck's a busy guy. He's been doing the American League Championship Series. Today, he heads to Cleveland, Broncos and Browns. You'll hear it here on 101 ESPN with the pregame at 7. And guys, Denver is in good shape. By the way, Denver linebacker Von Miller said, I don't know who's playing offensive tackle for the Browns, but I'm going to kill him. He said he threatened his life. He said, I'm going to kill him. Wow. So here is the Browns injury report. Quarterback Baker Mayfield, out. Running back Nick Chubb, out. Running back Kareem Hunt, out. Uh, linebacker, and I want to make sure that I get the name right here. His nickname is J-O-K, but it's Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. He is out. Also for the Browns, Odell Beckham Jr., shoulder, questionable. Uh, Jarvis Landry, other wide receiver, knee, questionable. Jadavion Clowney, chest, questionable. Both offensive tackles, uh, Conklin and Willis, are questionable. J.C. Treader, their center is questionable and Malik Jackson defensive tackle questionable they are just devastated by injuries Cleveland is heading into this Broncos game and if you're doing the pick'em challenge on 101ESPN.com make sure you go in and get Cleveland as your winner or uh, Denver as your winner rather Von Miller might actually kill a guy he might want to lay low for a while after the game right yeah (laughs) 
I've been meaning to talk to you about that, Vaughn, but Case Keenum, yikes. Yeah, not great. And no receivers to throw to and no offensive tackles to protect him. It's not going to be a great night for the Factory of Sadness. Should be a thrilling game to watch, I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be great. Uh, Michelle, Tom Brady, a full practice participant for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And we may be on the way to adopting a new team here on Carriker and Smallman. Would you be on board with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers if they were available to choose? No. As much as I love Tom Brady, I know, I'm sorry, I know that hurts for you to hear. And as fun as they are to watch, this is a long play for us. We're trying to find a lifelong team. Um, And I just think after Tom Brady leaves, I can't see us sticking with Tampa Bay. Okay. That's reasonable. That's fair. But right now, sure. Yeah, we thought we were making a lifelong play before, and we might not be. We're going to talk about that later. (sighs) And we will mention to you that John McClain of the Houston Chronicle, our buddy, reporting that a deal sending Deshaun Watson to our Miami Dolphins could be consummated by the end of the week. Consummated. Mm-hmm. Interesting Completed. word choice there. <laughs> yeah. So finished, done. The Packers are going to sign former Illini pass rusher and former Texan Whitney Merciless. He was released by Houston last week. They're rebuilding their linebacking core on the fly in Green Bay. Last week, they signed Jalen Smith after he had been released by the Cowboys. Now Whitney Merciless, and they lost pass rushers. They lost Preston Smith earlier in the season. He has not yet returned. Uh, They have not had a good inside linebacker for a long time. So Joe Barry, who's not a very good defensive coordinator, is their new defensive coordinator in Green Bay, he needs all the players he can get. Well, when you know that it's Aaron Rodgers' last season in Green Bay, and this is probably the last time that you have a concrete window to win, you you reload. You go out and you make moves. Aaron Rodgers saying on the Pat McAfee show that it didn't feel like it was his last time at Soldier Field. So does that mean he's coming back to Green Bay to play in Chicago, or does that mean he's going to take over for Justin Fields in Chicago? I was going to say, I think maybe that means he's hoping to head to Chicago, because I don't think he's coming back to Green Bay. Hmm. Or maybe there's another team in the NFC he's eyeing that he thinks could could potentially play at Soldier Field. Yeah, that's a possibility. Because after all of this, after everything that he put the Packers through this offseason, after taking such a stand, this is a guy with a memory of an elephant times 10. Do you Mm -hmm. really think that he's just going to all of a sudden move on from everything that he felt in the offseason? He's going out there doing his job so that he can get what he wants at the end of this. The finish line is near for him. I just can't see him changing his mind. Vladimir Tarasenko. I think it's a different scenario. Because he's got all the power here. Yeah, he's going to be a free agent. Now, if you're Miami and you know that, do you still make a trade for Deshaun Watson? I don't anyway. I don't either. (laughs) That's a good point. The Ravens, who have been amazing, they've only lost one game this year, and they've played the entire year without all-pro left tackle Ronnie Stanley. He tore an Achilles last year. He's undergoing a second surgery, and for the second straight year, he's going to be out, and the Ravens just keep on winning. They lose their top three running backs. They lose two offensive linemen, three if you include a retirement during the offseason. They lose defensive pass rushers. They lose their best cornerback in Mark. Well, not their best, but a starting cornerback in Marcus Peters. And they just keep winning. John Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta, their general manager, are doing an amazing job. How many teams can lose their starting left tackle and not only survive it, but be really, really good? Not many. No. Not many. You're right. He doesn't give, get enough love. I'm also interested to see Le'Veon Bell with them because he was promoted from the practice squad to the 53-man roster. I'm interested to see Le'Veon Bell and what he's going to look like. Yeah, he uh, had a touchdown last week wearing number 17 at 17. running back. 
Kind of a weird number for a running back. Yeah, you and the numbers. Yeah, but each of the guys that they signed off of the streets after they lost their top three running backs, Devontae Freeman, Le'Veon Bell, Latavius Murray, each of them scored a touchdown last Sunday in their win. So they're making they're making all the right moves. They can make it. They, they can win. There's an old line from Bum Phillips. He said about Don Shula. He said he can take Hisen and beat Yearn. He can take Yearn and beat Hisen. That's how good of a coach Don Shula was. And that's what John Harbaugh is. He's taking all these cast-offs that other teams don't want and still winning. Although Lamar Jackson does help. Sounds Belichickian. Yeah, it kind of is. Uh, and uh, w- one other <laughs> Belichickian. What? Come on. Uh, uh, Isn't that what Belichick did? He went out and found guys at the tail tail end of their career or guys that you would kind of scratch your head at and then all of a sudden they would turn into a star? Here's the thing, though, with Belichickian. John Harbaugh has won with Joe Flacco, and now he's winning with Lamar Jackson. Bill Belichick has not won with anybody except for Tom Brady. His overall record as a head coach without Tom Brady as a starting quarterback is about 15 games under 500. Okay, but could you make the argument that Bill Belichick turned Tom Brady into Tom Brady? Because this was not a number one overall position. It was not Peyton Manning that landed in his lap. He had to make the tough decision to go with Brady over Bledsoe. He he drafted him. Oh, yeah, I can absolutely give them credit for that. So maybe give him some time to develop somebody. But he hasn't been able to do it with anybody else. I know. I'm just trying to make a counterpoint here. Okay. And uh, <laughs> one other note on the injury front, and the Indianapolis Colts have been dealing with injuries throughout the season, too. Quentin Nelson, they're hoping, will come back. T.J. T.Y. Hilton came back last week, probably out this week. Obviously, Carson Wentz has had been dealing with his injuries. And safety Julian Blackman is going to miss the rest of the season. He suffered a torn Achilles. That was announced this morning. Suffered the injury in practice. Man, we've had a lot of injuries in practice this season. I wonder, is there something different you think that they're doing or that you could attribute that to? I can't figure it out. No, I have no idea. Practices are easier than they ever were, I was too. just going to say, and, and the preseason is, is shorter. There's Maybe that's what it is, is that practice is easier and, and the timeline has changed. Mm-hmm. So when you're thrown into game action, it's completely different. You're not as, as easy, you're not easing into it as much. I don't know. That makes sense because that was one of the things that Coach Vermeil was always concerned about with holdouts that he thought, well, he actually had the statistics that players that held out had a much greater chance of getting injured than players that participated in training camp in the preseason. That's why he played his guys in the preseason. And he says he couldn't coach today because most star players don't play in the preseason at all. So it's a great point, Michelle. So those are your NFL news and notes on 101 ESPN. And again, you have a Thursday night football tonight, seven o'clock pregame from Cleveland with the Broncos and the Browns here on 101 ESPN. Next up, we're going to head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and into the Blues booth with the TV voice of the Blues, our friend John Kelly, coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carricker, 101 ESPN. It's 9 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And my guess, kids, is that if you told John Kelly you're going to miss a trip during the course of the hockey season, 31 other cities, 
the last place that he would want to miss would be Vegas. The last place that he want he would want to have a TNT game is Vegas. JK with us in the Blues booth on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys today? Doing well. Am I accurate there? You're you're accurate. I love Vegas. As a matter of fact, I'm still in Vegas. Oh, good. Overnight and. And I stayed with the club because I had to scout the game last night, as you know. So um, nice work, We're going to leave in a couple of hours to come home, and it's a it's a great. Uh, it'll be a happy flight home, Danny Mac, as the Cardinals like to say, right? Yeah, oh, definitely a happy flight, and it'll be a really happy flight for you if you did well at the table. Uh, <laughs> I did okay, but uh, <laughs> you, you know, I still, I still have to keep my day job. How's that? Understood, okay. understood. Well, you're doing a great job. You're phenomenal. At what you do, you and and Darren have. Done a great job, great start to the season. Thank you, and it's a lot of fun. This is a fun team, I'll tell you what. You know, not just because they're three and zero, but um, they've got to me more forward depth than on any Blues team I've ever seen, quite honestly. And it's really fun to watch. Um, you know, they scored three goals last night, and quite honestly, could have had six. Uh, Robin Leonard was amazing in goal. Um, but this is a fun team, Danny. It's really it's really uh, exciting to watch so far. No doubt. John, we know that the Blues have a lot of strong veterans, but these young guys have really been showing what they are capable of these first three games. Jordan Cairo has seven points in three games. You want to talk about fun to watch? Jordan Cairo has been really fun to watch. Yeah, he's been a highlight reel machine, Michelle. He was uh, amazing in, in, in Arizona with those four points. And, and last night set up the game winner by Tarasenko. You know, he's just a young kid, and um, he's going to get better and better. But with his speed and skill and his toe-drag abilities right now, um, he's he's a highlight reel. The goal he scored the other night was one of the best you'll you'll see all season. So, uh, But, you know, he has to continue to work on his game. I know it sounds cliche and and probably boring to people, but he just can't be an offensive player. He's got to have a well-rounded game and get trust from the coach and I think he will but you know he's getting better defensively and he's more responsible um, so he has to be a more complete player and I think he is but um, you know last night he was really good again and you know a a player that really caught my eye as well I'm sure um, you three as well was Clem Costin he had had a breakaway and could have had another goal um, is showing some real moxie on the ice and I know he took the penalty in the third period last night um, but here's a kid that um, had only played in six NHL games until this season, and of course played last year in the KHL and won a championship. Um, but he's got a lot of attributes that you really love. I mean, he can skate. He's obviously big, and he's got some skill. So he's sort of a wild card right now. You know, what what is he? How good can he be? But I'll tell you what, from coming into the lineup in game two and then last night again, he, he really – impressed me again last night. John Kelly in the Blues booth here on your Home of the Blues 101 ESPN. And, J.K., that's a big statement that you make about this Blues team having more forward depth than any that you can remember. And I go back to that 80-81 team that had 10 guys that scored 20 or more goals and obviously the way they could roll the lines in the Stanley Cup year. But when you look at the ceilings of these guys, you just talked about Costin, Cairo, Robert Thomas still has a high ceiling. I think Bujanovic has a real high ceiling. Is that what you're talking about, is the, the ceilings that these young players have? Yeah, well, part of it, Randy, but I, I like the mix that they have. They have a good mix of, of really everything, of, of experience and, and players that are in the, you know, the prime of their careers like Shannon and O'Reilly, and then they have the young kids. They also have 
you know, decent size. Um, you know, Saad is a big guy, but David just come in and, and he's a big guy as well and a good mixture of skill and things like that. So that's that's what I mean. And I know it is a big statement, but, you know, that 80-81 team, Randy, don't forget that team played in, in a really offensive-minded era. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to take anything away from, from those players, but, you know, quite honestly, um, the third and fourth lines on those teams, you know, the Ralph Classens and the Larry Pates and the Mike Crombeans, those players were more of, of defensive-minded players. And, you know, again, I think it was just easier to score back then. But not to take – again, that team was a really good hockey team. Uh, But it's a different game now and it's a different era. But I I just like the depth that they have. And, you know, we haven't even mentioned a guy like Oscar Sundquist who was sitting in the press box last night. He's a heck of a hockey player. And he's been skating and hopefully getting close. So uh, that's that's what I mean by that. They have have four legitimate lines that can score. And, And that's the secret to this team. Is you know they don't have a, we know they don't have a Sidney Crosby or a, um, a Nathan McKinnon a superstar that's going to you know put put up 120 points, but they'll beat you with their four lines night after night after night. That's how they won the cup with obviously a different group, uh, and they're going to get really good matchups. Those third lines are going to get you know Robert Thomas last night playing a lot with Tarasenko and Barbashev. They had great matchups all night long because of the depth. So that's that's why I like this group. I got to ask you about Tarasenko, Johnny. Um, boy, he, he, if he plays like he did last night, you're talking about a different player than maybe we've seen in the last couple of years. Would you agree? Well, yeah, exactly. But Danny's the kind of player that we had seen for the previous, what, eight or nine years, right? Right. Um, that's what he's capable of doing. And I guess the big question mark was, could he get back to that level? And based on last night's performance, I, I think the answer is, yes, he's very capable. You know, he, I don't think he was – you know, he wasn't very effective in game one. He got better in game two in Arizona. And last night might have been the best player on the ice and, and could have had, you know, two or three goals rather easily. Um, yeah, when he plays like that and, you know, driving the net and skating and, and using his power, and I mean, he's a very, very good skater. I think he's an underrated skater. He's, he's a really good player. And, you know, a lot of times, Dan, I've been asked by fans or, you know, coming on shows like this, you know, the last couple of years, you know, why isn't he scoring and things like that. And my number one answer is he, he stays on the outside too much and doesn't go to the net. And when he does that, he relies on a shot too much. And you can't do that in the NHL. So when, when he's a determined player and he skates and he's powerful, but when he gets a half a step on a player, Dan, you can't stop him. He's yeah. just too big and too strong. I mean, it's just a fact. So, you know, if he can keep up that play and that mindset, then um, it's, he's a heck of a player. We know that. He, I mean, he's, he's only 30 years old, so it's not like he's, he's that old. So, yeah, very impressive last night. Also, John, we were wondering how all of the headlines about his trade requests and the drama that might have been happening off the ice this offseason might have impacted him from a chemistry perspective with his team. But it truly does feel like everybody's turned the page from that perspective as well. Well, I think so, Michelle. And, you know, who knows truly what the players thought of that and what, what Tarasenko, what his thoughts are now, because he won't talk about it. And, and that's expected. But you know, the bottom line is that he has to play well, and the Blues need him to play well. And, you know, you know, if you want to take the negative side and if he really does want to leave the team, then what's best for him is to play better, right? So teams would have an interest. And I'll tell you what, there were a lot of scouts last night in their press box 
I bet there were 15 NHL scouts watching the game last night, which is a big number. Um, so, you know, that's that's not to, I'm not saying that to stir up trade rumors and things like that, but who knows if he is on the block or not. Personally, I hope he isn't because I think he can really help this team. But, um, you know, regardless of what he, his mindset is, the best thing for him is to play well and play better, and that's what he did last night. Hey, John, the Blues have had a couple of bumps in the road defensively. In the opener, you had the six-on-five troubles and then uh, the, the late goals by Arizona the other night and then last night allowing uh, the, the 43 shots. What do you see that the Blues need to do to suppress the opposition offense besides Jordan Biddington being great? Well, Randy, I think there's a couple different situations. I think in the first two games, I think the Blues were guilty of sitting on a lead. And they were guilty of that the last couple of years, where they, they just, for whatever reason, they take the foot, you know, the foot off the pedal, so to speak. And I think that's what happened in, in the Colorado game. And, you know, Colorado pulled the goalie, and they're a dangerous team. You know, even without McKinnon and Landeskog, they're still a really good team. So, you know, it's hard to defend a six-on-five. And they sort of got a break on, on one of the goals. And But, you know, you can't let up. And they let up in Arizona against a team that obviously – it, on paper, is just not that strong a team. And I know Berube was livid after the game, um, or not livid after the game, but livid during the game. He called a timeout and wasn't happy with the way things were going. Last night, though, you know, I know they had over 40 shots for any, but I don't think they let off the gas last night in the third period. Obviously, it was a tie game for most of the way, um, but they played a solid game, and then they went ahead, and, and I, I still think they checked pretty well. But I think those shot totals were a little bit deceptive last night, number one. And number two, Randy, I, th- I think that first period was a track meet. And, you know, both teams had just a ton of chance. I mean, if you sat and watched that game either in person or last night on TV, it was like, man, this is exciting. The first period, it was back and forth. And, you know, odd man rush after odd man rush. That's not the way that the Blues really want to play. So I think part of the reason the shot total was high last night was, was they played Vegas, a team that likes that style, and the Blues at times got sucked into that style and that's why the totals were up. But at the same time, the Blues had a ton of chances as well. So it's not like it was one-sided. John Kelly, thanks so much for your time. Safe travels home, and we will see you at Enterprise Center on Saturday. Okay, should be rocking. Can't wait for the home opener, guys. Thank you. It'll be great. Thank you. That is John Kelly, the voice of the Blues on Bally Sports, joining us, as he will every Thursday during the season, here on 101 ESPN. Hey, you can join Jamie Rivers and Donnie Fandango and Jeff Burton for a very special and uncensored live last-minute Blues podcast with Blues legend Brett Hall. Next Saturday afternoon at Brett Hall's Junction House in Wentzville, Jamie, Donnie, and Jeff will sit down with Hully for a live conversation and a Q&A on stage. Get there early at 2 o'clock to grab a seat, get entered, and win four awesome uh, Blues giveaways. Plus, enjoy the signature cocktail menu and the wide variety of menu items at Junction House. A live and uncensored last-minute Blues podcast with Brett Hull starting at 3 p.m. next Saturday. Get all the details now at 101ESPN.com. Coming up, are we going to lose our team within a year after getting it? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. (laughs) 
You could make an argument that Deshaun Watson was the best quarterback in the NFL last year. Led the league in passing yards, had 36 touchdown passes, never throws interceptions. But then after the season came word that many women, 22 as it turned out, have filed civil suits against him for sexual misconduct as he was getting massages. And a criminal investigation has been launched. Yesterday, here we are in week six of the season, John McClain of the Houston Chronicle reported that the Dolphins were interested in trading for Deshaun Watson, who has not played for Houston this year, and that a deal could be completed by the end of this week. This morning comes word, Michelle and Dan, from The Athletic, that both the Philadelphia Eagles and the Carolina Panthers have spoken to the Eagles about a potential deal for Deshaun Watson. And I am of the belief that a team that would make this deal would be nuts. Absolutely. I don't know, despite what your record is or what your quarterback situation is or what sort of talent that Deshaun Watson possesses, why you would ever think it's a good idea to go out and acquire a quarterback who has 22 open lawsuits against him and more than 20 women accusing him of sexual misconduct. This is supposed to be the face of your franchise. I don't know how in today's NFL, when they're getting rid of guys like John Gruden for inappropriate things that he says in emails, how you as a franchise would think that this is a good idea to go out and acquire someone like Deshaun. But with the November 2nd in-season trade deadline looming, I would not be surprised if we see a team pick up Deshaun. What can you get, though, for him? I mean, what are you going to have to give up to get him? He was so good. But I think it's going to have to be conditional. It's going to have to be on whether or not he is available to you. So you give up a number one, and if they want three number ones, you say, okay, if he is able to play for me in 2022 for the whole season, we'll add a number one. If he's able to play for me for the entire 2023 season, we'll add a number one. But if he winds up in the clink, then all bets are off in regards to compensation. So take away the fan uh, aspect of this, of how you view the trade. And you've just traded for a guy that's been accused, accused of these things. It's not been yet solidified and said, okay, now he's going to serve jail time. Um, number one, that takes some guts to do that. What it says maybe about your organization. Number two, though, taking that part out of it and then just looking at it as, as a strictly um, a football move. If I'm going to do it and I realize I'm the Texans, he's never going to play here again and I can get something for him and it's on a conditional basis. As a football front office, I would have to look at it because if not, I'm just sitting there watching this guy rot away as we pay him. Yeah. From Houston's standpoint, and you have to believe that the organizations in Miami and in Carolina and Philadelphia, you would hope that they've done their due diligence and done focus groups and at least interviews with their fan bases to find out what they think. And I am kind of thinking here that they feel like, okay, our net is going to be a positive. We're going to lose a lot of people because of what he is accused of. And if we make that trade, but if we win, it's not going to matter to the football fan. Let me ask you this. And it's two different things, but the same idea. And what I'm saying is that the, the, the Eagles fan base went through the Michael Vick mm-hmm. experience of having him come back and, Not only was he accused, he then served jail time and they brought him back. He did everything right. Um, Now, that's a totally different deal than what we're talking about here. I wonder, though, if there's some in that front office that say, hey, we've been through this before. Again, we're talking about 
two separate incidents. I understand that. But we've been down the road of trying to rehab a player potentially and and maybe we feel not comfortable with it, but we've been down this road before. You understand what I'm trying yeah. to say? The one th- difference, aside from it's obviously dog fighting dog, and, dogs and, and people. what's going on with this, yes. Is that Vic had served his time to the system, and there wasn't the danger of losing him from an availability standpoint. With Deshaun, Michelle, you could lose him in a week because of the investigation that's going on down in Houston. And you are potentially giving up a lot for him. I don't yeah. know what the asking price still is, but it was reported that at the beginning of all of this, Nick Casario, the Texans GM, wanted three first-round picks and two second-rounders. Now, I don't know if the Dolphins are going to meet that or the Eagles or whichever team it may be, but either way, I think that this is a very interesting litmus test for the fans because we say it's a different world now. We're not going to put up with things like this. But how are the fans of any of these franchises going to receive Deshaun when he comes to their team? If if the heat gets turned up at, at the outset, they might take a little bit of a PR hit, but he's not suspended by the NFL. He's still under investigation. These are open civil lawsuits, even though the police are still looking into all of these allegations. And there are some pieces of evidence out there that would lead you to believe that he at least did something inappropriate with these women. He sought them out. He then followed up unprompted saying, I didn't mean, I'm sorry if I made you feel uncomfortable. There's a lot of evidence out there that as a fan of those franchises would make you feel icky about this without a judgment coming down. But at the end of the day, if if he comes in and wins three or four games for the Dolphins, are people going to still stop buying tickets? I always go back to certain instances. Did the Cubs fans not cheer for Araldus Chapman down the stretch as they're going on to win the World Series? No. And if you're an NFL GM or an NFL head coach, the only way that you're getting judged is by wins and losses, not by the type of character that you bring into the building. And I think they're probably looking at past cases and saying, if we win and if he doesn't get a... a any sort of judgment passed down during the season, the fans will forgive. Winning winning cures all. And I think it's really up to the fans if they really do feel strongly about this and this decision to to prove a point here. The uh, the Cubs went with uh, dealt with this with Addison Russell mm-hmm. too. That yeah. was another one that had a domestic uh, situation that uh, came to light. Yeah, it's I mean it's a tricky situation. I mean it, it really is. Um, innocent till proven guilty, obviously. Uh, that's why we have the court of law set up the way it is. But then there's also the court of public opinion. And when you have this many people come out, usually where there's smoke, there's fire. So to your point, Randy, and I think you're right, you're, you're going to do your due diligence with your focus groups because, like Michelle's saying, there's going to be people that'll be protesting. There's going to be people that say, here's your season tickets back. There's going to be people that say, I'm not going to buy a ticket. I'm not going to support that team that supports him. Well, that, that happens. A couple of things. Number one. We had a fun, lighthearted vote, and the best listeners in sports voted for the Dolphins mm-hmm. to be the official team of Carriker and Smallman, the official NFL team. But that was fun and lighthearted. If you enter him into the equation, Deshaun Watson into the equation, it can't be fun and lighthearted. But we're, we're not a ticket-buying public. I can tell you this definitively because we lived it in 1999. Leonard Little, in a drunken stupor, ran his car into the car of Susan Gutweiler, who passed away. And Leonard Little got out of it, didn't serve any time, and wound up playing for the Rams. And yes, MAD had their 
protests at the Dome, but you wouldn't have known it when you walked into the Dome in 1999 because it was sold out. And when Leonard Little got to play in in 2000, he got cheered. What would you do if, if the Cardinals or any team welcomed Trevor Bauer to their franchise? Can't do it. Can't do it. Uh, so, well, this is kind of this. Yeah. Same uh, different instances, yep. apparently, but we're talking about the same road of right. abuse potentially. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't think you can welcome him into your organization. And the difference is, in a civil court, Trevor Bauer's been cleared. But it, even with that being the case, there is absolutely no way that a responsible organization with any thought about their fan base's feelings could bring a Watson or a Bauer onto their team. How do you explain that to the female employees? What Bingo. if there's a, what if there's a female I was employee? I'm going to ask on, you from a, from your perspective, just what you think. If I'm a female employee on the medical staff, I don't feel comfortable treating Deshaun Watson. More than 20 women have come out and said that he approached them about massages f- for treatment, and he did this to them. There's no way I'm doing that, I, and that puts my job in jeopardy mm-hmm. in a situation that I didn't ask to be in. It's And also on the other side of this, we haven't even talked about Tua. I know people don't feel great about Tua. He hasn't played that long. No. <laughs> it seems like a, a pretty premature ripcord pull to just say, we're going to go out and get Deshaun because we're already done with Tua. The owner is enamored. Stephen Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, is enamored. So that's one of the reasons. I, I don't think he's as enamored of Tua. And by the way, if Deshaun Watson does get traded to the Dolphins, we are going to sever ties immediately here on Character and Smallman, and we're going to find a new team. That's what right. would be the new team? Who finished second in your vote? You guys remember? Might have been. I can go back and look. Yeah. It might have been the Bills. Yeah, could have been Bill I'm a Bills, Bills fan. You're a Bills fan? Yeah, I like the Bills. All right. Yeah. So we might go Arizona Cardinals, though, too. Kyler Spawn. Can't do that. Because they left St. Louis? Yep. I understand that. And wouldn't it be fun to be a member of Bill's Mafia? Jump through yeah. tables, watch people light themselves on fire? They do it because they're drunk. Well, I like their fan base. Your they point? went through the four straight that they lost. I want to see them uh, wind up not being held hostage with their stadium situation. Good luck with that. Yeah. Chicago Bills. Well, things may change in a few months, right? I mean, depending on what happens here in St. Louis, how could, how could then... If a precedent is set with what's going on in this lawsuit, could organizations hold these other entities to the fire with this stuff? The way they could do it, and they, the way they could wind up in downtown Chicago after the Bears moved to Arlington Heights, is if the state of New York and the city of Buffalo don't participate in trying to build a stadium like we did here. Hmm. Got to negotiate in good faith. Both sides do. So is that a, a bandwagon we want to jump on? A team that has another stadium? I'm not going to jump on any Terry Pagula bandwagon. I'll tell you right now. This is a very difficult choice for us. And listen, maybe the Dolphins, maybe the Eagles will mm -hmm. swoop in and they'll be the ones that land Deshaun Watson. We don't even have to stress about this. We can still play T-Pain and we can still say fins up and it'll be all good. All gravy. Two teams that in the entire league vote voted against the Rams move to Inglewood. Those two franchises were the Arizona Cardinals and the Carolina Panthers. Mm -hmm. That is now known in a court of law. So, at least we got the Arizona Cardinals doing that for us. Okay, all right, that helps. But still, they uh, they left. So yeah, they did bum me out. But they have Kyler a, Murray, it's a big Gridbird fan. It seems like the only oh, yeah. safe choice for us here, from a ownership standpoint, really, is the Packers. Yeah, 
Can't go wrong with the Packers either. And we see them all the time, right? On the two Fox? Yeah. And what we about were, uh, up there. It was fun. What about my Pittsburgh Steelers? What did they do on the vote? Do I have to? They were not. They were not one of the finalists, so they didn't uh, register on the vote. So, uh, am I out on them now? Well, I liked them as a kid. Big Ben. I don't love Big Ben. Georgia, I don't ba- care Georgia about bathrooms. Oh well, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> Carolina did have Ray Carruth. Yes, they did. Well, now I'm going down a bad road with Randy because now we go death. And Buffalo did have OJ. Yeah. Well. I mean, we're going to start going down this road. Tread lightly down. Yeah, I better. (laughs) I'm telling you. Yeah. You got a pretty sharp mind. Uh, We've had a really good guest list today. By the way, the bills are so good. People in Buffalo are just losing their heads. Jeremy Rutherford. We just had John Kelly, if you missed it, uh, talking a little blues hockey about that (laughs) and the uh, reemergence of Vladimir Tarasenko. You know, I wouldn't um, watch OJ play 1975 Thanksgiving Day here in St. Louis. Man, what a good slashing runner. You're killing me, Smalls, is coming up. And then we'll have the crossover, and I'll certainly tell you about what's coming up with myself and BK. And that'll be at uh, from 10 to 11 here on 101 ESPN. Looking forward to that, Dan. Thank you. Coming up next on 101 ESPN. ESPN, you're killing me, Smalls. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. I oftentimes get stopped in Los Angeles and they'll go, are you that guy? You asshole, go back to St. Louis. Just had to get a little in his own words in there from Enos. Just for no reason at all? For no reason okay. at all. That's fine. Well, at least we know one team that's not on the list of our new NFL team to cheer for. Yeah, that's true. You got, so we've got two if we lose the Dolphins. Yeah, we that will not make the ballot. The the L.A. Rams will not make the ballot. You know what? It, shame on us for trying to find an NFL team. We knew that the league was what it is. We, we know that they're going to do something that is not great and it's going to make us upset. But here we are. We wanted a team to cheer for because we have to talk about it because people love their fantasy football. They like their football headlines. And one year into this, potentially, we're already going to lose another team. Hey, I can't the, take this anymore. The NFL is just wired differently than most. Well, I told everyone in the room today that I have not been able Able to understand the emotion since 2002. So there you go. They just don't think like <laughs> Who made that? It does make me laugh every time I hear it. Who made that? Did you make that, Randy? No, uh, Chris Files did. He's no. not here anymore. Well, without getting into all the details of it, I mean, dealing with people with lower incomes wasn't something I particularly <laughs> looked forward to, frankly. Wow. It's time for... You're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> He's going to feel some emotions during this lawsuit. I can oh, guarantee yeah. that. Do you think he's stressed about it yet? No, he's, uh, from what I understand from league sources, he is delusional. He still believes that he did nothing wrong. That does not surprise me in the least bit. No, me either. Because when you're surrounded by people that tell you exactly what you want to hear all the time, people that are on your payroll and that mm-hmm. people that tell you all the time that you're great, you brought football back to California. No one in St. Louis is mad. They all love you. You're going to believe it. Right. So that doesn't surprise me at all. Makes it even better. Have you guys seen that Jock Peterson has a new piece of jewelry? 
I've been watching the games. Yeah, I was surprised to Beautiful see that. Beautiful necklace. It yeah, a lot of guys have interesting chains. Um, we know that guys like to show off their style with their jewelry choices. Beautiful necklace. And Jack Peterson has been wearing a pearl necklace all mm. of a sudden. It's a different look, especially with his white sunglasses. It really ties the jersey mm-hmm. in together. So he's got the dye hair going, too. That's right. That's right. And uh, a lot of people wondering if there's any sort of significance behind this choice. Uh, fans, by the way, getting in on this. You see a lot of fans wearing these necklaces in the stands, but Jack Peterson was asked about them and he said that there is no hidden meaning behind all of this, that he just called up his jeweler one day. I saw the pearls and I was like, you know what? That looks cool. I've done the black chain and the gold chain and all these different ones. I think a lot of other players have, but I don't know. They kind of caught my eye. I was like, you know what? Those look good. I texted my jeweler and he got some out and as the rest say, it's history. Not buying it. Not buying it. Yeah, I'm not. I, th- I think he lost any. a bet or something. That's just not the way MLB players roll. You don't well, think he's just trying to be different from a fashion standpoint, from an, an accessories and aesthetic standpoint? I don't believe that that is the case. I think he might have lost a bet to somebody. I, um, I'm going to say that there is a story behind it, but uh, it's going to stay behind closed doors. Don't know that for a fact, obviously, but that would be my guess. By the way, did it become abundantly clear in the White Sox series why Yoan Mankata didn't give up number 10 to Tony Larusa? His necklace, his number 10 necklace, must have cost him half a million dollars. I would be nervous to play with a piece of jewelry like I would that. Too. Not not because it might impact my play because it's heavy or it's banging against me. Because if that thing loses a diamond, how much is that going to cost me? Hey, sometimes you, you wear a necklace, you can lose your dad. <laughs> That's true. Well, you could lose your dad. Who is it? There was a uh, collision about a month ago at the plate or a play at the plate. Somebody lost a piece of jewelry. An and earring, they, right? Yeah, they were digging for it. Hobby. Javi Baez, that's, that's right. right. Was it an earring, Emily? Yes. Yes, yes that's right. Diamond earring. That's right. I was told uh, from somebody that was on the bus with an NBA team that one of the players had like a $500,000 like stud diamond and uh, couldn't find it. So they held up the bus for like two hours for them to get on the plane so they could go find a half million dollar stud diamond earring. Did they find it? I believe they did. But wow. uh, they were delayed by two hours. Wasn't a mechanical. Wasn't the fact that the crew wasn't there at the uh, plane. It's just you got to find that, that diamond stud, you know? I mean, I understand. if you put a half mil into that thing, yeah. But I, I think what you do is you say, look, the rest of us are going to go home or wherever they were going. And if you can afford a $500,000 uh, diamond stud earring, you certainly can afford either a private plane to get you to where we're going or catch the next flight out tomorrow morning. <laughs> right. But we're going. Yeah, this seems like a you problem. Yes. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that was probably how I would have handled it. But, you know, I didn't have a vote. But, you know, they say if you look good, you feel good. If you feel good, you play good. And if it's a pearl necklace or a half a million dollar shed, whatever that may be, to complete the look and make you feel good and play good, go for it. You know how big that rock would be? I mean, that is a massive diamond stud. Yes, Emily. Do you want a fact about the Javi Baez diamond oh, sure. Earring? It was worth roughly $200,000. The, the necklace? Earring. Oh, his earring. Okay. Yeah, that they, that right. they lost. And I, I think they did get it back. I think they did find it. Yeah. 200000 it's a lot. If I was him, I would have been out there. I wouldn't have even have gone to the post game. I would have been on my hands and knees yeah. sifting through the dirt. Get I would have somebody. gotten a colander. I would have been out there trying to find it. Get somebody either with a metal detector or a magnet. Was it Mr. Ricketts down there too? 
somebody from what? Cubs ownership or no, no, or, he's with the Mets. Uh, it was with the Mets. It was Sandy Alderson. It was yeah. Sandy yeah. Alderson. Alderson. That's right. That's right. Randall, you got bling, don't you? I got nothing. I got the ring, and that's it. I got my wedding ring. I thought you wore chains uh, to the club. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, yeah, but I don't wear them all the time. I'm not like a ball player. Right. I just uh, special, special occasions at the club. You don't wear them to work. Right. You get the hoodie out. You get the chain. Mm-hmm. Put the hoodie up. Yeah. Right. Definitely. And then I, the teeth. I got to take care of the. the I put the grills in. Now, do you have uppers and grill. lowers, or you just bet a top? I, no, oh. I don't mess around. A full grill. Yeah. How What's many it? chains do you have? One or two. Four. Oh, four chains. Yeah. Four chains. All right. yeah. Does your grill say anything? Are you getting any engraving on it? No, just gold. Okay. Yeah. I needed it. So it was one of those things. So we've got uppers and lowers, gold grill, four chains. Anything else? Watches, a rolly? Well, because I think my talents are twice what two chains are. <laughs> oh. About the tat, you ever show it off? <laughs> Every time I'm at the club. What about like when you and Joan are having a nice family uh, barbecue? Mm-hmm. You ever take the shirt off while you're grilling? <laughs> I just wear my tank top, Dan. Nice. Oh, so you see it? Oh yeah. Yeah, I like that. Okay. I'm gonna say um, a statement I can't stand. Go ahead. You and Joan. That's just game recognizing game, Randy. <laughs> I can't stand it when somebody says that. She's recognizing his game. They should go I.O. It's about time. Yeah. We did get Joan on the air that one day. She was. She said that's not going to happen. Nope. Not going to. You guys aren't going I.O. You're mm. killing me, Smalls. Uh, one final thing, you guys. Some, yeah. Uh, some more drama in the NBA, this time in New Orleans with Zion and his team, the Pelicans. So David Griffin announced that that Zion Williamson broke his foot earlier this summer. He underwent surgery. And he learned about this for the first time because this was not news to the team. And they were kind of dealing with it all offseason. And according to Jeff Fisher of Bleacher Report, there's a strong belief in league circles that the Pelicans were unaware of the procedure until Zion reported to New Orleans ahead of media day. And he since reached north of 300 pounds this offseason, fueling concerns among New Orleans staffers uh, leading up to his rookie debut about his weight. They were struck by his heavier appearance and his listed playing weight last season of 284 pounds. Somebody said, I know Zion at 280. He was not at 280. So this surgery, this foot injury causing Zion to put on some pounds. I did notice the other day I was watching and I uh, he popped up on my television, I, I just thought, well, he, he just looks a little bigger. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he got in the gym or, you know, wanted to change his <laughs> body type or whatever. But, yes, he looked a little bit bigger. It's kind of like when James Harden came back after the quarantine. Yeah, he like, looked like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Uh, he, he was bigger. It's, yeah, He's thick, double C. Yeah, he is. Now, it, when you're 21 lines, or 22, you can get away with it. When you're 30 and he starts doing this, right. you won't. Yeah. Along those lines, David Griffin, the president of basketball operations for the Pelicans, told the media, oh, he'll be ready for the season. And then when they came back after the injury was discovered, he said, well, I didn't say he'd be ready for the beginning of the season. (laughs) Well, to me, the biggest issue there is that the player goes out on his own and has the surgery. And if he if the team didn't know, that means he's not engaging team doctors and their personnel for surgery and that kind of thing, which the team wants to be made aware of for obvious reasons and to probably uh, have a major part in his rehab and what they want to prescribe. So, yeah, that's that's not good. Yeah, I can't imagine the powers that be with the Pelicans were thrilled when they found out about a surgery and then he's well over his playing weight. And doing it outside of their view. I mean, you know, you break your foot and, you know, he could have been playing pickup or training or running. It could happen anywhere. But usually 
you know, nine times out of ten, players will report to the franchise or to the general manager or the coach and say, hey, I've got a broken bone and I need to come in and, you know, or I've got an issue. Will you please take a look at this and what do I need to do? And then the team will take the proper steps to rehab said player. You do that on your own. That's not good. Oh, Ryan Sheriff got cut because of that. Yeah. The Cardinal left-hander who underwent Tommy John on his own and the Cardinals didn't even know about it. It'll get you a loss of job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, thanks, Michelle. You got a four mm-hmm. chance. <laughs> Coming up. Uh, four chains K. <laughs> four chains character. Chains with a Z. Yeah. Nope. yeah. One night at the club. What happened? Well, no, when I'm up on stage, I just hope that uh, Scooty Booty will be in the crowd. <laughs> Is that your new one? You like Scooty Booty? Scooty Booty. For listeners, maybe you want to tell us who Scooty, Scooty Booty is? Scooty Booty is the girlfriend of Steelers linebacker Devin Bush. Right. She's a dental hygienist out of the Berg. And uh, yeah, she's her dental IG hygienist name. by day, Scooty Booty by night. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Her IG name is Scooty Booty, which is S K O O T I E B O O T I E. I think there's a number in there. Scooty I think it's Booty. seven. Too. Scooty Booty seven. Yeah, yeah. Scooty Booty seven. So. <laughs> She's the best. Where do you find this stuff? I don't. He. I ask him all the time, and he says, "I have my sources." Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm. I'm waiting for that. On you're killing me, Smalls, and you're coming up with it at seven <laughs> fifteen. Yeah, I'm talking about Zion's weight, and exactly. Randy's, Randy's like, "Guess who went I O? Scooty Booty, <laughs> Devin Bush." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're gonna get you ready for the Danny Mac show with BK. They're gonna talk a little Scooty Booty. I'm oh sure. yeah, we are. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. We're headed down the stretch of Carriker, Smallman, and Danny Mac for today. Danny Mac will continue in the 10 o'clock hour with BK. We're looking forward to that. What's up with uh, that show? What do you got coming on? Uh, Jared Diamond from the Wall Street Journal. Great baseball uh, writer. Really good on the business side of things. So we'll visit with uh, Jared Diamond. That's coming up at 1015 from the Wall Street Journal. And talk a lot about uh, what happened in postseason baseball last night, too. And here we are with perhaps our World Series matchup set by the end of tomorrow with the Braves up three games to one. And the, Red the World Sox Series are... start Monday or Tuesday next week. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe so. Yeah. yeah. OK. And then you you have the Astros just a game away up three two in their series. Hard to believe. And I thought Boston was going to take that series. I did too. Uh, especially being at home and, and last night being a swing game uh, in many ways. So. Yeah, the way that they're playing. And I guess what we've learned with the Astros in this postseason is that they're still really darn good. Yeah. You know, no one mm-hmm. was talking about them during the regular season. It was kind of like, well, they, they they led the West for the better part of the season. No, really, Nobody really, you know, took a hard look at them. Um, and maybe because of their pitching. I mean, Verlander was out. Grinky has been, you Bad. know, yeah. Uh, but their lineup is still really good. And Altuve is... He's got 21 home runs now in postseason play uh, yeah. He's in such his a career. Pest. He's a good player. Yeah. And it's the final run maybe of Correa in Houston. So uh, still really good play, uh, really good lineup and really good players that they have. And so, um, you know, they're one game away and, and so is uh, Atlanta. And you look at McCullers, who's out, but uh, 
last night, Valdez and Yumi Garcia and some of the other pitchers that they toss out there, those are Jeff Luno acquisitions. And I wonder, with the Mets being turned down by everybody so far, they've been turned down by five people, including a guy who owns car dealerships, former Pirates player. I wonder if they might go to Jeff Luno and say, hey, and just bite the bullet and say, we know you're good. Just be on the straight and narrow for us. Uh, you know, if, you, if you're letting A.J. Hinch back in and Cora back in, and I would assume at some point Carlos Beltran gets back in, all kind of figureheads of what took place outside of the players with the cheating scandal. Um you know, Jeff Luno is is going to get a shot. May, I, unless, maybe unless, unless there's something that they say. Look, well, man, you're done. You're, that you're, you're out be. of baseball. He he argued he didn't take his punishment. Remember, and I I could see Manfred saying, okay, if you aren't going to take your punishment, you're going to be punished more. Did you guys? Um, I had the. This is really terrible. I can't remember the name of the podcast, and I can't remember the. It was Ben. Um, Sports Illustrated writer, but he did a, a podcast on Houston. The Edge. Yeah. The Edge. Did you guys listen to that? It's very good. I listened fascinating. to it. Fascinating. And I, after listening to that, I was like, there's no way Jeff Luno is getting back in baseball. But you know, you know what I took away from that? Wasn't that what he did was more egregious than the others, but just how unlikable he was. Yeah. And I think that that plays a factor into this, too, that if you are the Mets, maybe he's not somebody that is well-liked within people that are already in the building, or you think he's going to come in and maybe cause tension or drama that you don't want to deal with. But that's something that I really took away from that was the the personality of Jeff Luno doesn't always mesh with those around him. It's such a good point, because they've had so much turmoil, you know, whether it was the Wilpons being the, the majority owner of the team, and there was always crazy stuff going on with that, and now with their new owner being active on Twitter and saying, hey, I'll be disappointed if we don't win a championship in five years, and he's a Mets fan at heart. And then they had the issue with their general manager earlier this season. They've had turnover there. It's been kind of a state of flux. Um, yeah, Players with, th- thumbs downing the fans. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think you just you want to find some stability, and I'm not sure that would be the guy, because you're also going into a media market where they're going to dig and dig and dig and dig and, and be on them. And, and that's just the way it is in New York. We have Thursday Night Football tonight. No Baker Mayfield for the Browns. By the way, there are five former St. Louis Rams quarterbacks still in the National Football League. Yeah. You've Case got... Keenum. Good. Um, gosh, let me think. St. Louis Rams. Uh, oh, my gosh. Why is my it's mind? It's Magic. Patrick. Magic. Oh, yeah. If it's mm-hmm. Magic. Good call. Let me think. I got it out somehow. Oh, Nick Foles. Three. Is Three. Um, I'm trying to. Th- Last two are really tough. Okay, Kurt go ahead. Warner. <laughs> no, no. You have Sean Mannion back no. up with the oh, Vikings. Sean Mannion. And Garrett Gilbert, who is with Seattle. Shout out to Garrett Gilbert. Yeah. Didn't realize that one. All right. Yeah. Five. That's incredible. For as bad as the quarterbacking was here after Sam went down, yeah. to have five left, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. All right. Looking forward to the Danny Mac show coming up next. Uh, great job today by our producer engineer, Emily Butcher. Thank you. Thank you. And Michelle, this was fun. It was. I'll see you tomorrow. And Danny, thank you. You're going to take tomorrow yep. off. I will see you guys on Monday. Looking forward to that. All right. Thank you. For all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The College Football Playoff Committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the College Football Playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. 
Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial.